Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Declare your independence of me, Ernest Hancock, another independence declaring kind of individual, Karen Katowski, Karen Katowski, Ph.D. She retired United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, a farmer, aspiring anarcho-capitalist. She ran for Congress in Virginia 6th District in 12 and is a fellow at the Eisenhower Media Network. And how we know her, she was at the Pentagon when it got hit by whatever. And um, she was very critical of the Iraq war even before she left the Pentagon as she's sitting there as Rumsfeld and Cheney are walking around, whatever, and uh, got to find the mole. Who's writing these articles, you know, that went on Colonel Hackworth's uh, site? And uh, I guess they were just misogynists, didn't think it would be that woman sitting there beating the crap out of them intellectually. But she retired. Lieutenant Colonel, she goes out on the farm and is it Virginia or West Virginia or West Virginia, Western Virginia? What? You're, you're, Western Western Virginia, yeah. Yeah, Western <laughs> Virginia. I gotta get that right. You know, so she's out there with the horses and so on. She did some um, teaching. You know, as a college professor, she's uh, been. You know, I, we want to get right into your article, but what have you been doing? How how you know how's life? It's it's good. Been busy. I mean, um, you know, we mainly farming and I do I do teach some classes and um, and actually uh, I teach a uh, online government class for community college here. So I get local kids. Some of them are in high school, some are, are young and some are adults, like not my age, but just a little bit younger than me. And um, it's great to get the pulse of right. what people are thinking. And I've been doing this for like 16, 18 years. And trust me, trust me. Uh, your message is getting out, Ernie. <laughs> it's getting out, and it's not necessarily because of you or me or anything. People are um, observing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, you know that uh, Anthony Oliver song? Yeah, yeah. That uh-huh. the, the rich men north of Richmond. Right. Yeah, I mean that's huge, right? Well, um, I actually built that into uh, one of our quizzes. Um, uh-huh. They watch the video and they identify three three aspects that that are that the guy's singing about that connects back to what they've learned about the founding you know the era of the late 1700s in this country and um they do great kids do great um they get it they get it from where you know personal experience grandma they're not getting it from mtv i mean well they partly 
they're not well they're not they're not um but they're getting it they're getting kind of what life is offering them um and i think it revolves around the money and i do teach these i do have a section on the fed where when we get to that point most of them never heard of the federal reserve um increasingly i have kids that do know about it because ron paul's been talking about for 30 years so um it's it's something people some people know about but um it, it has a lot to do with um our money because the power of the state and its power to uh, create money out of thin air and spend it on war and and domestic surveillance and domination uh that that's its power base and um of course it devalues our money and that's something they know about they know that the money doesn't buy much they know that um so it's like there's certain things that touch their lives that then are the that's the opening that's the opening for understanding how it all works and um so anyway it's fun it's fun and um, for the first 10 years of teaching that, uh, it wasn't, I didn't see this. And then I started, um, it was after Obama left. Cause you know, remember when Obama was elected, a lot of young people were so excited, you know, so excited about uh, hope and change. And then what happened was they all got what we already know and that nothing changes and it usually gets worse. Um, and they, they learned that all these people learned that. So now they're a little more cynical, a little more, um, not not so willing to uh, buy the hype. And I'll tell you this, unrelated to maybe what where we're going to, but um, you know the the lockdowns. They these young yeah. people remember that very vividly. And um and they and and you know their attitude is very much like ours more so than it is like let's say Biden's. And these are not people that would maybe call themselves Republicans, but their attitudes. You know, people instinctively dislike authoritarianism and we got a big old dose of it a couple years ago um and and these young people you know they say oh well they'll do it again we we got them to do it once they'll do it again and i'm not sure the young people will um as much i think i think you hit them at the wrong time the old people might but i don't think the young people i think they learned a lesson and that is uh that um, the authoritarians are um not looking out for your best interest they're lying to you and uh, and they can be easily disobeyed. A message that I that I love. <laughs> yeah, just uh, disobey. It's easy. There is um. Yeah, I'm. To do it. We have a uh, one thing that there's a project that we're doing, and and uh, somebody suggested. Uh, uh, what was it? It was um, misobedience. You know, uh, and I'm going miss. Why mm. misobedience? Okay. And he goes, because disobedience means you know, and you're just not doing it. Misobedience is you don't care, you know, and you're something. He gave some good definition of it. And uh, so I'm like, all right, you know, I can be misobedient. But normalized disobedience, you know, that kind of attitude. The um, It's interesting that you have this regular exposure to a... You know, somebody that's mm-hmm. wanting to learn, you know, they're coming to community college, you know, take a care and class yeah. and you have a wider range of um, ages in the class. Um, what do you see by age? Are the mm-hmm. older people, you know, kind of going, yep, yep, yep. You know, I'll tell you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, Rodney Dangerfield in back to school, you know, in the class or something going to share what he knows. Did he get some that kind of interaction from the generations? Um. Actually, uh, you know, since it is online, I can't tell who dominates in the discussions because our discussions are extensive, but they're all in writing. So everybody has equal shot, which is kind of good. The quiet people have to and everybody has to post. So, you know, they 
they participate. What I the, the big thing I notice is that the older people can read and write. I, I noticed that the younger people, of course, these are all college bound kids um, for the most part. Um, they're they're taking college classes in high school, so they're definitely looking to advance their um, traditional education. So they are the smartest of the kids, or I should say, the more competent of the kids in terms of writing and reading. And yet they they can't write very well. Even the best of them, only a few really can write at what used to be considered senior high school senior level. Um, they they are reluctant to. Uh, all my work is in essay. All the questions and answers, you know, they have to write things. And, you know, they're not as comfortable with really making an argument. It's very difficult. And oftentimes when I ask them to choose a side and debate it on a question, they cannot. And it doesn't matter what side they debate. They're going to get full credit. You know, if they just do what if they just do it and they find themselves they they can't decide. They they say, well, this is really good. This is really good. This is really good. And they're trying to please the teacher or cover all the bases rather than um, actually thinking what they think makes most sense and then arguing that they, they're not, they're not in the habit of doing that. And that's because our public schools don't make them do that. They don't even allow them to do that. Um, it's about, uh, we're telling you something and you spit it back to us on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and it was always like that. I mean, public school, when even I recall, um, pretty much, you know, here's the stuff, here's what you need to put down on your quizzes or whatever. Yeah, now repeat but it. nowadays it's worse. Um, and, yeah, and put, and put a uh, dress on it. It's, it's a uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> lipstick and a dress, and sure, it sure. It, and it's, it's aimed at yeah. Well, it's well, it's aimed at um, indoctrination to one extent, and it's also aimed at making teachers' jobs easier because um, it is not to do a lot of reading of student work and correcting it. And I don't, I don't correct their grammar. I mean, I'll if they don't use punctuation, I'll say, you know, hey, you know, you got to use punctuation. They, they, I'll give them that, but I don't go in and like an English teacher and correct everything. But if I did, it would take all my time to do one <laughs> class. I mean, I would be working on it eight hours a day. Um, and I don't, I don't, so I don't, I don't correct it. It's not, I don't see that as my, is my job, but I do get to see where they're at in their writing. Of course, there's some kids and I get a handful of homeschool kids. Increasingly, I get homeschool kids and uh, they tend to be, uh, they tend to be uh, a little better readers and writers, a little more able to debate issues and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing I notice, and you know, I don't. This is just not related to liberty or anything, but but you know how they say the um, a lot of times girls write more and are more able to to be verbose, yeah. and the boys aren't. I sometimes have that, and I sometimes don't. But I will say, some of my kids, even the ones who don't write as well or as uh, thoroughly. Their instincts still are very, very good. Um, so I'm noticing an improvement in the instincts. That's what I was talking about. I, I think it's not so much that they're better at this and that, or they even know more history. In fact, in fact, they barely remember things that I consider to be normal. They don't even know about them. They don't uh, uh, have any knowledge of it because it's just not in their experience. They're, you know, they, they only they got born in the 20th, 21st century. So, uh, you know, they, there's a lot of history they have no idea of, but um but their instincts are improving. Their instincts are better. And I don't know what's causing that. Um, you know, I don't know. It could be that you know, that's, we're getting I, more homeschool kids. Uh, we're gonna I don't know. I don't know. But their instincts are better. And we're going to have a really good um, comparison when we, we're doing a project in Phoenix when I get back, really pushing uh, some of the videos, documentaries of James Corbett. Because having this kind of knowledge and oh, yeah. sharing it and being – a Canadian in Japan, 
what are they going to do? You know, yell at me for putting the sign up to find my fingerprint on some sign that we did. And I'm, I, you know, okay, bring it. You know, but um, it's going to be interesting to see the impact because I know what's going to happen. It's what always happens when we do this kind of stuff. The establishment freaks. They do the fact-checking. It's not, you pay no attention, you know, to the man behind the curtain thing. And um, it, they're so predictable. They can't not. And it seems that there are bureaucrats and sycophants to the state that think they get a shiny badge or a stripe or move up, you know, closer to the podium, you know, in hell or whatever by challenging this kind of stuff. Look, I, I, I told them they were bad, you know, and uh, give me my stripes and make me mayor or some crap like that. Yeah. So this is, they're so predictable that way. And I just, you know, prove it on a regular basis, just, you know, for entertainment and mental health. But the, um, which is kind of what Karen does with her writing. Karen has been, you know, um, how often do you write an article? It seems like every week or two you get pissed off. I mean, you know, when, when, when does that happen? I, I, I do get ticked off more than every week, but um, I don't always write a Lou Rockwell article, but I will say this summer I've been busy with some, um, I've given three full length talks. And of course I don't, I can't talk off the cuff very well. Cause I'm afraid of what I might say. So I write it all down. <laughs> and, um, but none of those have been published yet, but I'm trying to clean them up, put the links in them. And they're all uh, stuff that I know about but they all have a different focus. And I just did one last weekend. That'll be the first one I think I'll put out on Lou um, on the uh, state of military intelligence. And, and there's a lot of good anecdotes and history in there. And um, I gave that down in Nashville week, two weekends ago, I guess it was 23rd. Oh, last, it was last Saturday. Yeah. And, um, or last Friday. And, there were people of all ages in the audience, you know, there were elderly people. Some of the speakers were older. Um, there were older people in the audience. There were younger people. And, um, but a lot of the, some of the younger generation talked to me, either corresponded or talked to me after the thing. And they, they learned stuff from things that I was telling them, not my opinions, but just little events of history that they really had either forgotten or never knew. And so there is a great, service to be done in framing out what's already happened because if you know what's already happened and you've seen some things that have happened it's so much easier to understand right. what's happening today well that's you know, exactly it's, why it's not we only should... a mystery because things are all because things are what it, it, things are connected i mean it's a con it's a continuum you know there's nothing in a vacuum uh everything we are where we are today is because of where we were um and and what we've what we've been through, the world's like that. It's just not. Uh, and I think a lot of what they try to teach. Um, in fact, there was there was a headline in uh, Canada, maybe somewhere, and they said, "Oh, well, we're going to wipe all books that were published before two thousand and eight will be removed from our library." And it's like, wow, you know, what? Wait, 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 What was the context? Yeah, yeah. Who said who said that? Why did they say that? What the context was? They were. Um, I can't remember if it was Canada or the northern part of the United States, but um, they had a they they made a recommendation that the librarian would basically go and remove all books that were published prior to 2008. And the reason was um, it was woke, driven by woke, you know, driven by wokeness, the idea that, um, you know, racism, prejudice, anti LBG, whatever, um, were be, would be in these older books. And of course, it was that it wasn't a mass. It wasn't a book burning. You know, it wasn't a Fahrenheit uh four four fifty three whatever it is. 51. It was um 
the, the, the librarian, the librarian would have some discretion. So perhaps ah. an encyclopedia could remain. But a uh, part of it was to try to, anyway, I think there was big pushback and it made national headlines for a short time. Um, but that kind of anti, you know, we don't want history. We are unable to, it seems like we, we're unwilling to put history in context. You know, um, we, we say, well, Jefferson had slaves, therefore, you know, it's completely evil. Um, well, not completely evil, no more evil than you or me or anybody else. But we don't, we refuse to, uh, well, the woke side doesn't want to address um, context. And um, context is everything. And it's, it, you can't escape from it. Um, and and this is, we see this in the Ukraine war, right? I mean, oh, Russia did something and Ukraine is an innocent democracy fighting to save its its principles. Um, okay, let's look at context. And as soon as you start looking at, you know, history and context, then the, comp, you know, the simple becomes complicated, it becomes real, um, and then you can form uh, an opinion. And, and you can say, yeah, I agree with this, I disagree with this, and I hadn't decided on these other things. That's fine. You know, that ambiguity maybe is fine. That's part of being human. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, if you if you understand history and context, you cannot take the government's word for anything because right. um, increasingly what we've seen is government messaging that is not it's completely out of context and it's all basically orders um, using very simple language. And, and it's using, you know, Orwell is constantly brought up. Well, there's a reason for it. And his. um new language, you know, new speak mm -hmm. that, that he talked about. I mean, we really see that coming from our government. There are uh, a set of words that are used and they have meanings and um, they don't want it, you know, they don't want uh, any uh, explanation or larger discussion or uh, fine tuning. You know, we don't need all these lang English word languages. You know, the English language is filled with words. It's one of the most wordy of all languages. It has words for everything. We really don't need to use all those words. Let's just, you know, put on your mask, shut up. That's what you need to do. You know, and, this uh, is the one thing. the language of government. This is the language of authority. When I was, uh, uh, yeah, we got a little bit of a delay between us, so we got to suffer it. It's not too bad. But the um, when I first read junior, oh. junior high or something in the, you know, um, mid-70s, 1984, I thought it was news speak you know when i was reading it i was just taking news speak mm -hmm. and instead of news speak it wasn't until later decades yeah. later i go oh it was news speak they're doing okay i get it you know but news speak for me it just put in my head <laughs> that the news it was news speak you know they it's the same as news speak from the news the same thing but i just had a different you know frame of reference yeah. of what i was looking at and it changed my perspective all these years from yeah, it's news speak, you know, not news speak, but news speak, and it, and it just, I'm going, yeah, I, I well, always you know, assumed the media was the bad guys, you know. Yeah, I had the same exact experience. I always thought it was news speak, like the news, and and it, it, it was a disconnect. But when I realized it was the new language um, that was being created, so that we could not think through the news, um, then they, obviously, yeah, and and of course, it's real. It's real. I mean, we're living through it. Um, and, and, you know, uh, when we think about Orwell, I forget what his real name was, but, you know, we think about Orwell, uh, his early books and his experience in the British Empire as an officer of the empire. You know, he, he uh, uh, in Burma particularly, he saw things and participated in things that really caused him to um, rethink all of his assumptions. And uh, 
then you know years later he produces uh 1984 uh you know it takes a while to figure out what's happening and you first starts with your eyes getting opened and um Orwell's eyes were opened in the early 1919 teens uh post World War 1 uh time frame in Burma uh that's that's when he began to see uh you know the reality of things and how uh governments really work and how they how they shape their story so that you'll think it's all good and patriotic when in fact it's not um so uh, and it's not it's not particular to the UK yeah. Right. No, that's we, one thing that this generation own, is uh, starting yeah. to realize is that it's not a country by country by country thing. It's a country thing. It's a government thing. It's a, you know, uh, come together under yes, one it, rule because I can, you know, and I rule you because I can, and you're going to be ruled because you're letting us. And, uh, you know, if you're letting us, then you deserve mm-hmm. to be ruled because I'm elite and I'm ruling you. So it's just, it's really that. Fairly simple. One thing, I before we get started on your article here, Migromico Theory by Karen Katowski that was done September 29th is what we're going to focus on. Because I think, man, we get it on, you know, Trump Report with Dr. Frank. He'd explode and you guys would go be best friends and whatever. It's all he talks about all the time. So this is one thing that I wanted to share with you. You know Keith Knight, right? Uh, don't tread on anyone. Do you know Keith? I don't, I, I'm not sure. He's, he's done, you know, he's a young guy, but, uh, but I'll take- about 27, 28. He's, uh, was a progressive. He went hardcore libertarian anarchist. He's, uh, got his own show and, uh, he comes on our show and he's been on, oh. you know, with, um, James Corbett quite a bit and everything. He's very well read. Oh, he's, um, he's one of the, he's now the, uh, editing, whatever the heck at the libertarian Institute with Scott Horton, that guy. Okay. So it's been, um, he's really well read. Well, he got contacted by Jake Uger of the Young Turks wanting to be interviewed, you know, by an anarchist libertarian to talk about his book of Can't We All Get Along or something. At the, I didn't know it, but at the same time, there's a guy named Egberto Willies, which is a, a, a black talk show host, progressive, wrote a book. It's worth it how to talk to your right-wing friends, neighbors, and family or something, right? And as if, you know, because they need a talking to, that kind of thing. So at the same time, um, (laughs) they had approached me wanting to interview him. So I I interview him and then find out that he's in jail. What it is ain't exactly clear. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya Protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
This hour of Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Let's talk about your positive experiences using Dash. Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Dash transactions are instant, irreversible, and are protected from 51% attacks by its chain locks technology. Dash is the world's first decentralized autonomous organization. BitRefill allows for discounted purchases at national retailers. We want to thank Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use. Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. He's really well read. Well, he got contacted by... Jake Uger of the Young Turks wanting to be interviewed, you know, by an anarchist libertarian to talk about his book of Can't We All Get Along or something. At the, I didn't know it, but at the same time, there's a guy named Egberto Willis, which is a, a, a black talk show host, progressive, wrote a book. It's worth it. How to talk to your right wing friends, neighbors, and family, or something, right? And as if, you know, because they need a talking to, that kind of thing. So at the same time, um, (laughs) they had approached me wanting to interview him. So I I interview him and then find out that he did Jake. And I'm going, these progressives don't take a dump without a memo or somebody telling them what to do, okay? So for them to seek out anarchist libertarians, to you know, express themselves and promote their books, and can't we all just get along? I saw a pattern. I'm going. I'm seeing what's going on here. You got the Kamala Harris's and the Bidens and the far left of purple hair can't decide what gender they are. People and they want to separate themselves from that because they're seeing that ship's going down. When Disney starts to give up on ESG and you know, uh, diversity and equity and inclusiveness yeah. and all this other stuff, you know, Bud Light gets their, you know, nose punched. And then you have Target. I mean, all this stuff, they're starting to rats are leaving the ship. And these guys want to, oh, no, we're not, we're mm-hmm. not those bat crap crazy people. We, we can work with you, especially at the time when RFK <laughs> Jr. was, you know, floating the Led Zeppelin that he wanted to go libertarian party so all of this i could see it that they're the the big giant cracks are turning into chasms and they're starting to abandon the brown Mm -hmm. shirts that wrote them in the office and what they don't realize and certainly they're starting to realize now is that when hitler came into power with all of this kind of organized support that he had they were the first ones that they you know, got excommunicated from the government. You know, then they're going like Black Lives Matter. Hey, I got you to the dance, and I need to get mine of kind of what up there. Oh, no, no, and they cut them off. And um, I can see that starting to happen now. And they didn't anticipate that. They thought they were going to rule for the next thousand years or something. And 
what they came up against was Merca. Now, in your article, you know, my Gromico theory, first we've got to talk about who Gromico was, but the, um, and then this article, you're bringing in what happens with, you know, Michelle Obama. Where did the uh, mouthpieces of the CIA, you know, uh, come from and what are they saying? What is the new, you know, Hillary effort you know was obama in charge of biden white house since yeah. the beginning anyway was there was there was there where are we going what's going to happen yeah. america prevails and this is the going through the process that you did here and what you think the future is going to be goes a lot on context like you've been talking about on what has happened before the cycles that we go through and so on so i want to go from beginning to end and make sure we get in the sentiment the uh, realization, the parallels in history, the uh, what you've expressed in your article. Because I really thought this article, I'm going, oh, get Karen on, man. We're going to do it. Okay? So this is, um, I, especially <laughs> since, since we have a delay here of a few seconds, I want to go ahead and turn it over to you. If you got your article in front of you, I wanted you to just go paragraph by paragraph and explain what you're talking about, not in inject when I feel like it. But, you know, would you do that? First off, tell everybody okay. who Gromico was, you know, first. So that helped. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gromico was um, the guy that ran the Soviet Union, uh, the, the head of the so of the Communist Party, uh, just before um, Gorbachev came in. And of course, just before uh, the time frame of the collapse of the Soviet Union, which Gorbachev oversaw and actually, you know, accelerated, I guess, in some ways. But that that uh, uh, centralist, communist, socialist uh, construction was on its way out. I mean, it, it had been, it fell from within. But anyway, the prior to the actual ending of the Soviet Union, they went through a series of elderly um, chairmen of the Communist Party there, bought their top dog, and um, they were old and they were sick and alcoholic, and um, nobody paid any attention to them other than, they could see them. The, some the, the, Chernenko is uh, Biden. Biden is my Chernenko, and Chernenko was the guy before, right before Gromyko, and he served for less than a year. Of course, Biden served longer, but he didn't say very much, and he was kind of heavily controlled. He was sick in the hospital half the time, and um, but he was the top dog. And then uh, Gromyko came along, and they they put him in. And of course, they didn't have elections. I, I mean, um, except amongst the the top communist. Uh, leadership you know they chose their leader anyway they chose Gromyko as and Gromyko was not sick and he was a little younger and he was articulate um kind of remind me of uh <laughs> of Hillary but uh or any of the ones the Democrats hope to put in in front of uh you know or right after Biden and of course the first step is what we saw with David uh Ignatius's uh op-ed in the New York Times just recently and he's considered to be a deep state CIA spokesperson um, because of his connections there and the history of his, of his writings and his op-eds and his opinions, they all basically speak for the deep state. So when Ignatius speaks, it's like the CIA is speaking. And what he said was in his op-ed a few weeks ago or a week and a half ago was that uh, Biden, we love you. He spent three paragraphs on how great Biden was. Oh, you've done everything you promised. You're just Mr. Wonderful, but you and Kamala, he included Kamala in this, cannot run. You need to tell uh, us in the Democratic Party and the deep state that you are not running so that we can round up an electable person because we don't know what the uh, 
we, we don't know if, if we can get rid of Trump or not. We don't know how, um, you know, if it, if we pick another Republican. And then we've got this thing going on with RFK. Now, he didn't say that in his op-ed, but that's kind of how the Democratic Party is is uh, thinking right now. They're very concerned because um, Biden is so unpopular and so unpredictable that um, and, and Kamala the same way. Except Kamala is not unpredictable, but she's equally unpopular. Um, anyway, so got a big problem. He needs to step down. And this is what Ignatius told him. He was a loyal Democrat. And he said it in the front page or the top editorial page of the New York Times. So he is messaging uh, Biden step down. So, you know, to me, as a conspiracy theorist, hey, CIA conspiracy theorist, to me, when a CIA mouthpiece advises you to do something, that's not an advice. That's a threat. Okay, that means like, you know, we have ways. It's coming. All right, right. let's talk about that, you know, a little bit about Ignatius. Now, one, CIA mouthpiece, David Ignatius, you know, blah, blah, blah. You went on here. And I remember, God, this was only less than a week ago or so, less than a couple of weeks. And he comes out and he says, he goes, you know. We we gotta we gotta bite the bullet and everybody and you know you need uh, somebody to give you a, a red light siren. Well, I'm the guy, okay, and I'm the and you know I'm the guy because I'm the guy and I'm the guy telling you you know openly that we gotta abandon Biden. Biden is done. We gotta do something to get yeah. you know he did his part. He saved us from Trump. Not that election fraud thing. We won't talk about that. But. You know, Biden saved us from the orange man, and he did his part. You know, go by Condios, man, right into the sunset, and we got to do something else. Well, for him, that guy, to do that, that was, like you say, that was not friendly advice. It was, you want to be part of the machine, you will do this say this, take on this, we're going to... And that was one thing that with the young Turk Jank, you know, did the same thing. You could see the timing of it. It was like two weeks ago, they made the... They didn't make the decision before, but they made the decision to go public. We are abandoning the idea of a Biden-Harris ticket for the Democrats. Well, this is also at the time that RFK Jr. is yeah. like, all right, screw you guys. You know, you, you're you're definitely not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to. So he's, you know, flirted running on the Libertarian Party ticket. And I know, you know, that mess goes. So, you know, never mind. But so now he's going to do as an independent. Well, he's got another big giant, you know, hoe to row there. Mm-hmm. But uh, <coughs> row to hoe. So what happens is, now we're looking at what is next, and that's kind of where I see your article coming in. Right. Did you write this after, you know, did Ignatius kind of trigger this, or did you already have mm-hmm. these ideas before? No, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what triggered it. It was, um, I saw an article, this is after the Ignatius piece, but not too far after, where Hillary Clinton, and this was mainstream, you might have seen it um Hillary Clinton gets up and talks about how the Clinton Foundation is going to uh, invest side by side with BlackRock in the, in the rebuilding yeah. and reconstruction of Ukraine, which, of course, is a, a huge, you know, they're going to do if, to Ukraine what they did to Haiti, you know, exactly. but uh, whatever. But little, <laughs> you know, little, but, little but white the thing girls is she was are up- taking traffic even better, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so Hillary's up there and I looked at the pictures um, and I actually watched a, a video two of her getting an award at the state department and she is dressed for 
success. Now we know Hillary and her hair changes all the time. And she's, she's uh, used to wear these weird uh, pantsuits, you know, and she probably still does wear those, but basically it struck me how presentable she looked her, her surgeries or her, her uh, you know, eye facelift type stuff. Everything's looking good. It's all healed up. She's, um, she's presenting herself as, as uh, not a radical lefty because, you know, that's how she gets votes. I mean, she, she got votes in 2016 from Republicans who didn't like Trump. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's totally understandable how she got more popular votes than, than Trump did. I mean, cause she, you talk about all the democratic machine votes, but then you also had, uh, anti-Trump Republicans who saw neocons, who saw Hillary much as they will see her today as a, um, uh, serious, uh, pro-war, pro-defense, statesman slash um you know deep state front person this she fits that bill perfectly now i was concerned i thought well you know she's a little older um you know that's maybe she's uh you know we really don't want old people and plus i I mentioned this before i wrote the article i mentioned it to a couple people that i know friends conservative friends they go oh my god no that would never happen everybody hates hillary and i'm like oh yeah okay they do they do and and so in my article i make a point to say she's unlikable and she's not liked. However, uh, Democrats have a huge, huge problem. Um, one of them, well, they have several huge problems. Uh, their, their lead guy, Biden, has to step down. He's, he, he will lose. He's unpopular. And if he loses, um, the Democratic Party will not regain the voters that leave. Because, you know, once you break party, you know, once you vote a different party, if you're a party voter, if you are a voter and you think you're a party, not an independent, but you think, oh, I'm a Republican or oh, I'm a Democrat. And you cross the line at some point in some vote. Once you do that one time, you know, you've, you've got the learning curve is, is flat. You can do it again. You can do it again. You can do it again because you've broken the whole, um, guilt thing, party loyalty thing that, that they put on, that, that they put on you. So, um, if a Democrat votes not for a Democrat, let's say he votes for the independent, um, RFK or, as we've seen with Trump's great power, uh, his his populism, uh, many Democrats voted for Trump in the in the red states for sure and elsewhere. So uh, they've already um, broken with their their loyalty oath to the Democrats. So this is the world that the parties live in. They can't keep they can't count on party you know loyalists because there's very few of those anymore. So this is the Democratic the Democrats' problem. So they need a top line vote getter. That's why they float Michelle because her name's Obama. But the problem is Michelle's not a politician. And, and unfortunately, she, he has, has a problem that will make her a laughing stock. So she's not, There's she's the not. The memes an will just proliferate like yeah, you wouldn't believe. The memes will go nuts. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I don't even know why they would even float that. All it does is demonstrate that Obama opened up office in DC and has been running the show from behind anyway. So this is. Well, for sure. There's so many. Uh, problems with the Michelle thing. And plus Michelle doesn't want it, doesn't need it. Um, and is not, is this would, this was not a, uh, she would be so much of a front person, so much of a puppet of Obama that, that even the Democrats, I don't think would go, would go for it. Um, so the other name, the, okay, let's just talk about the Democrats' hopes because my Gromyko theory is that the communist party, you know, the deep state of America has gone through, um, uh, at least in the last four years, uh, a, a Chernenko candidate who comes after Chernenko because the system is not quite ready to break yet. It's it is breaking politically and in many other ways, but it's not quite broken yet. So they want to put in somebody who can 
right the ship of state. So who can do that? Well, it's got to be for the Democrats. It can't be Trump. So Trump, they've got, you know, how many, what, four or five lawsuits, you know, how many different court cases will he be in throughout the whole campaign? Right. So they're, they're working on, and this has working too, because first off, um, they're hitting Trump where it hurts in so many different ways. Um, And many Republicans and even Trump supporters, uh, the hardcore Trump supporters are going to vote for him we're going to write him in out of spite just because of the way they've treated him. But, right. um, you know, he was, he gets, uh, his mugshot, you know, was a campaign. Who ever heard of a mugshot being a campaign? It was um, awesome. You know, we predicted that. It, I go, it was, it was get awesome. that mugshot finally. <laughs> I want that on something. So when and, it happened, true to my word. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. I got my sons, all the, the <laughs> Mark Dice one that had, you know, the height lines behind him, you know. And it, so I got oh, that and said, yeah. wanted president 2024. So I got it for my both my sons, my two sons-in-laws, and one for Frank, you know? And I go, there. And I had it sent to my daughter. Probably cost me 160 bucks or something. But I'm <laughs> like, nope, give me, give me, give me. Because I promised on the air. I go, you get a mug shot, I'm buying something. That has got to be just out of principle because screw them. Because I, I don't vote. I don't care. You know, nobody's my ruler, so I don't give a crap. But the way that they've been doing this, they have to pay. This is just stupid. I know. Well, that's, that's right. And actually, in this article, in this Gramico article that we're talking about here, um, there's a link. If, if people don't want to read anything, which I don't blame them one bit, there is a link in the middle of the thing. It's a pro-Trump rap video. And it's so hilarious. It is so hilarious. And they made a video about the uh, um, uh, oh, the, the woman in Atlanta or someplace uh, from, down in Georgia, the, the attorney oh, down there. Uh, that, yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Made all the, yeah, she made like, she, she indicted like 19 people. And there's a, <laughs> there's a hilarious rap video. It's just, it's just so fun. But anyway, yeah, so Trump has been great in... Uh, <laughs> you know, maintaining his support throughout all this stuff. But there is a problem because there are those um, more uh, staid and, and well-dressed Republicans in the party. Um, the And there's certainly the neocons who hate him. Okay. That's well-known, but there, there, some of those neocons that hate him are being joined by others who are just sick of all the drama. They don't, they don't like the drama. And so they, um, uh, you know, are hoping that one of these other Republicans who are running will will emerge, uh, you know, as somebody they can vote for. And if you notice, we have several neocons running. I mean, you've got you've got Pence, you've got uh, Christie, you've got uh, uh, what's her face from South Carolina. Actually, she's she's running pretty well. And they're all neocons, pro-war neocons. So um, there's lots of Republican traditional type um I say traditional neoconservative type Republicans like we've seen for the past 35, 40 years who could step in and be a Republican. Now, the problem is Trump's base is not going to go off. Trump's base is going to stay with him regardless. They'll either stay home, they'll write him in, um, or they may vote for uh, uh, the opposite of the Republican because they're so mad at the party for not, you know, taking care of him. Um, this, this actually can equate to some votes for, uh, for Bobby Kennedy in some respects. And of course, Bobby's, positions, which leads us into the next problem for the Democrats, and that's Bobby Kennedy, because Bobby Kennedy is, like he says he is, he he holds the views of a 1960s and 70s uh, Democrat. Um, so that actually looks a lot like what Republicans used to be. You know, right. if anybody's ever, you know, taken a look at, at, at 
JFK's policies. Yeah, and, he's a fat, crap, he's... crazy, freaking right winger now, you know. Well, he, he he seems like it, doesn't he? I mean, when you look at it, when we look back, we say, oh, my gosh, was this guy Republican? Um, no, he wasn't. He was a Democrat because Democrats used to have some sense. And, and, and they did, you know, obviously they, they have, you know, differences, the two parties, um, but they've been merging and merging and merging for decades and decades. Actually, I'm talking, you know, 60 years, the parties have become a uniparty. And, um, but, but Bobby, you know, harkens back to that thing. And it's, it is popular. Um, it's popular amongst, uh, even Trump supporters. So if they don't have Trump, uh, depending on if they if they find out what Bobby stands for, they might like it. Um, anyway, so Democrats have a big problem. First off, they don't know what they don't know if the Trump people will vote Republican. They know they won't vote for the Democrat, but they might vote for for Bobby. They have to plan for a three way race, no matter what. Maybe a four way. Now, if it's a three way, this is my prediction, and I could be totally wrong. Obviously, I have no idea. But if it's a three way or a four way race. Um, I think the Dem- I think uh, anybody in the that's a mainstream Democrat can get the thirty five per- you know percent of the votes that they'll need. They'll get it, just like just like the last time we elected a Clinton. You know, it was a three way race, and uh, you know we had uh, we had George Herbert Walker Bush, and then we had uh, our our Reform Party Ross Perot, who um, pulled in I think. Uh, a number of electoral votes. He was on the ballot pretty much everywhere. He won some states. Um, best showing for a third party candidate we've had in, I think, the 20th century. Uh, he did well. Um, and what happened was we got uh, the Arkansas governor, the sax player, um, was our was our president. And uh, that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't wow. split the conservative vote. That's what that's going to happen this time. So I think the people that they're that are Democrats who want to be Democrats and they want to own the deep state, which it really is a neocon, mostly Democrat, neocon Republican organization. Anyway, those guys, all they need is a person who can pull some of the uh, neocon, it can consolidate the neoconservative vote, pull the loyalist Democrats. And that's all they need. 35, 40% they'll have it. Because uh, there's because we're going to split the vote and the libertarians are going to run their own candidate and libertarians will do will do well this year, I think, too. Um, unfortunately, that that won't help uh, Bobby Kennedy, but it doesn't matter. There, there's going to be people voting for lots of different parties. And increasingly, we've seen that anyway. But I think this time, because of what they've done to Trump, there's a huge wild card with the Trump voter. Um, the Trump voter is angry at what is be- what the Democrats have done. So so they're not going to. Say, oh well, you know, I'll, I'll vote Democrat. I'll go back to voting Democrat because you know Trump got Democratic votes. Um, they're not going to do that this time. He, uh, and Democrats have miscalculated terribly with what they've done. Um, I, I don't understand this uh, uh, totalitarianism that we have from the Democrats. Um, it is backfiring. But all that being said, in a three or four way race, the Democrats can do it. All they need is a front person, but they can't do it with the California governor being their front person because he's too left. But if they had Hillary with, with uh, Newsom, um, I think, I think they could, uh, people would say, Oh, there's, there's an adult ticket. There's a, there's a caring Democrat ticket. And then all the what military people? industrial complex. Who are ticket. these people yeah. you think that are seduced by that ticket? Well, a lot of, you know, look, people that vote aren't thinkers. A lot of people, most people, if, if you actually think about it, you wouldn't vote. Right. 
So I'm the thinking. people who vote are the people that are, I know. So the people who, uh, who vote and the people who will vote for Democrats are much like have always voted. They have a vote producing machine in the urban areas that can deliver to you. They can deliver to any candidate. Yeah, even big the worst stack one, of paper. Probably. Woo, you know, we got a big stack. Back. We're going to put it in the box. Well, I mean, they can deliver, they can deliver 35 million votes without even blinking an eye in the urban areas, the, the devoted uh, Democrat voter who hates Trump and hates Republicans, um, who always votes Democratic, those votes they can count on. But the Republicans can only count on maybe 20 million. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid! Fear no fear here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. And we're having a conversation with retired Lieutenant Colonel Karen Katowski. Now, she was operating in the Pentagon right next to the Office of Special Plans while Rumsfeld and Cheney are milling around there. And she was writing, you know, for Colonel Hackworth's site um, that is very well known and respected by the troops. And she was... Under a pseudonym, she was saying what was going on. You know, a lot of us in the talk show uh, industry, we understood what was happening from the writings a lot of Karen. And they were very concerned about who was leaking. Well, she, it wasn't a secret. She was sending this stuff out, you know, to a lot of the other officers in the Pentagon and so on. But it just never occurred to them that it was a woman. <laughs> so she took retirement and started writing and doing a lot of talk shows and movies and documentaries and uh, and teaching. You know, she's a professor in Western Virginia, not West Virginia, West, Western Virginia. And um, we've been friends for almost 20 years. And I find her perspective, her knowledge, and her institutional understanding of what's going on very beneficial. And I'm sure you will, too. There's going to be people voting for lots of different parties. And increasingly, we've seen that anyway. But I think this time, because of what they've done to Trump, 
there's a huge wild card with the Trump voter. Um, the Trump voter is angry at what is what the Democrats have done. So, so they're not going to say, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll vote Democrat. I'll go back to voting Democrat because, you know, Trump got Democratic votes. Um, they're not going to do that this time. He, uh, and Democrats have miscalculated terribly with what they've done. Um, I, I don't understand this uh, uh, totalitarianism that we have from the Democrats. Um, it is backfiring. But all that being said, in a three or four way race, the Democrats can do it. All they need is a front person, but they can't do it with the California governor being their front person because he's too left. But if they had Hillary with with uh, Newsom, um, I think I think they could. Uh, people would say, "Oh, there's there's an adult ticket. There's a there's a caring Democrat ticket." And then all the what military people? industrial complex. Who are say, these people yeah. you think that are seduced by that ticket? Well. A lot of, you know, look, people that vote aren't thinkers. A lot of people, most people, if, if you actually think about it, you wouldn't vote, right? So I'm the people who vote are the people that are, I know. Yeah. So the people who, uh, who vote and the people who will vote for Democrats are much like have always voted. They have a vote producing machine in the urban areas that can deliver to you. They can deliver to any candidate. Yeah, even a big the stack one, of paper. Probably. Woo, you know, we got a big stack. Back. We're going to put it in the box. Here. Well, I mean, they can deliver. They can deliver thirty-five million votes without even blinking an eye in the urban areas. The the devoted uh, Democrat voter who hates Trump and hates Republicans, um, who always votes Democratic, those votes they can count on. But the Republicans can only count on maybe twenty million. So, you know, I'll say twenty. I'm, I'm assuming there's like eighty million voters. So 30 will automatically go Democrat because of what they've done to Trump. I think Trump will take 15 or 20 million, even if he's not on the ticket. Um, you've got RFK taking votes and then what's left will go to a DeSantis or a uh, uh, who's I can't remember the lady from South Carolina, Neocon. She's uh, Nikki, Nikki Haley, I guess uh, she could pull it. Um but but anyway, it's in a three or four way race. The biggest bulk still is to the Democratic Party. Um, so who will be their leader? And um, I'm just saying, Clinton's got campaign hair and you can look at it on that link I have. I said Hillary with a new campaign hairstyle. You know, she's she wants to fight for the till the last Ukrainian. She's a friend of the deep state. She's a friend of the neocons. Um, she's done it before, in a sense. I mean, certainly as a State Department, uh, the Democrats trust her, even if they don't like her that much. They trust her. And, um, you know, all she has to do is pair up with the right sidekick the right right the right vice president anyway that's my thinking so i don't know um you know obviously this this next campaign or this next election in 2024 is going to be very strange i mean i've never seen i've never even heard only in a third world banana republic would you see a candidate for president being treated like we are in this country treating trump um it's just it's just insane and it doesn't stop and nobody well, what are the, the what are the groups that you know uh a factor in this thing is i don't know how you say it mickey mac missy mac you know it stands for military industrial congressional yeah, intelligence mac. media mickey academia yeah. think tank i mean seriously you know this this is a thing explain yeah. that to people Yeah, uh, Ray McGovern came up with this acronym. It's just, it's a, it starts out like Eisenhower's, um, military industrial complex, but he puts into it, um, you know, the congressional, 
uh, academia and think tanks and media. So um, because so much of what we think today or what we're allowed to think or what we're allowed to see on mainstream media is controlled by the deep state. You could take the powers that be whoever's in charge. Um, and, and that's not Trump, because remember when Trump was president, they were still in charge. I mean, right. this is his, his four years of being president was a, a testimony to how little power, um, you know, they basically the, the deep state said we need to contain this man. And they did so. Um, so that's, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, that, that, that is a, it's a powerful, uh, status quo type of structure. And it produces the talking points that we see in all mainstream media. Um, you know, it, it produces the messaging. Uh, you know, if, if, if you thought, Hey, how come 80% of the people in this country took an untested, you know, uh, genetic therapy shot and they wore masks in their cars. And when they were out biking, why did they do that? Because, well, the messaging told them to do that. And the authority figure told them to do that. And that, that together, they did not have to think and they, they're not used to thinking. So, um, that's what our country is made up of. And it's very, uh, manipulatable. And that's why I just don't see, I, I wish I could be optimistic and say, let's have a, uh, you know, let's have an RFK for president or, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, Trump, you know, I like Trump a lot. Um, I don't think he understands the economy as well as he thinks he does. I disagree with some of his, um, ideas there. And so, uh, the only good thing about a second Trump term, if it could ever happen, and I don't see it, but if it, the good thing about it is he knows, uh, who his enemy is <laughs> better than he ever did. Um, so he's learned something. Um, God, I hope so. He may, I he mean, may be very harsh. You know, well, one thing that he did, yeah, I want to right. drain the swamp, drain the, drain the swamp, drain the swamp, and then all the swamp creatures come in. And I'm like, what the heck is he? I, I lost all hope immediately. <laughs> I mean, it was just dumb. Well, and, I mean, you know, it's it just that it, seriously, seriously, if we could, if we could tell him, Average, we're just average people who watch the news and we, we try to keep track of who's doing what. Um, we could have told him, you don't appoint this guy. You don't appoint this guy. This, we know this guy's background. We know this guy's biography. You know, we know this guy's politics. He's your enemy. Why would you appoint him? Because he and, thought and, uh, being so president that, and having the shiny the badge that, protected him. He thought, yeah, but I, I'm, but I'm president. Woohoo! I kick your butt. <laughs> and that, and then here yeah. comes Schumer going, they got you know fifteen gazillion ways to Sunday. They're going to slap you because Schumer knew. He knew exactly all this. Uh, the forces yes. that were going to be allied against. The one thing that I am most impressed mm -hmm. about Trump. Other than anything else, you know, and up there along with it is his uh, campaign ability. I mean, the boy is on the road. He is a baby kissing, hand shaking, oh, yeah. you know, crowd making yes. guy. But uh, the biggest thing that I give him so many props for is that he held up to this that I don't think anybody else I've ever known or met would be able to hold up against this full onslaught of what he's had to deal with. The fact that he's been able to maneuver right, this into selling T-shirts, that, that's awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's, it's awesome, and you got to respect him. Um, and also, too, I look at – now, I'm not a fan of uh, some of his kids – you know, I, I particularly, uh, Ivanka's husband doesn't, uh, I don't, I don't particularly care for him and his, 
his role. I, I wish that he had put more distance between him. I wish Trump had, had you know, been more of his own person. Right. But however, you know, Trump has uh, three wives. I mean, he's had he's on his third wife. Right. And he's got children with each of these wives. He has a large family. And he actually his family seems to, you know, they're they're close with him and he cares about his family. He I think he he has I think people see that and then they intuitively get that he's kind of like us in that way, even though in every other way, he's not like anybody, you know, he's, very, he's very different, but I think he's got, uh, uh, he's got something that maybe keeps him strong because certainly you're right. He, no one could have uh, at this point in time with all the things they've done to him could have, uh, you know, maintained their attitude and uh, their, their energy level and their vision. And he's done all that, which is uh, great, which is why I think regardless of whether he's on the ballot, um, if he's on the ballot, he's he's gonna he will be. It, we could get he could win. He could win um, with a three way race, though he might not, because I think he's going to lose some of his anti war voters and and others to to Bobby Kennedy. Um, but if he's not on the ballot, he will get many votes anyway. We know how to spell his name, and right. uh, he well they don't count those. I mean, Trump it, it, and feel that he you know and the way it is in no um, they don't, but that takes away from no. I mean they don't count them. Yeah, you, they make sure you have to be a, mm-hmm. have your write in count on. Uh, <laughs> you write it in. You have to register that you're a write in. You must now count my votes, and you got to go through all the same background BS and all that kind of crap. And they do that intentionally because they don't want Mickey Mouse to win. But you know, the big thing that I'm looking at is the social impact. That's one of the things that you get into in your article. Is that yeah, it's we're going decentralization. You know, all this is, you know, how many, you know, uh, Satan worshipers can yeah. dance on the head of a pen or something, you know, but it, it's you're not really talking about that other than this is just them dancing around as we get to something else and we're evolving into something That's else. Right. What right. is that? That's right. Well, I mean, it's it's like what happened in the Soviet Union. You know, um, the people in the Soviet Union for 20, even 25 years before, maybe even longer, before it actually fell apart, um, their government was a joke to them and they knew it and they would they had the best jokes in the world under <laughs> in the in the cold during the Cold War um, were the Russians the Russian people's jokes about their own government. You know, we, we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us things like that. I mean, um, everyone in the Soviet union understood that the system was not working. The system as it was described did not work, could not work, did not work, was not work, was never going to work. And so they had new systems of getting what they needed. And those had evolved black market, gray market, any kind of market you can think of who, you know, you know, the whole thing of how people get what they need, how people market what they want to market, um, how people uh, in many ways, like we see in this country, take advantage of the uh, the welfare state, both the uh, at the top levels and the middle levels and the lower levels. You know, we have a welfare state that touches the rich and the the not so rich and the poor equally. We we talk about it. We think, oh, it's just poor people get welfare. No, we all get welfare, and um, and we all take advantage of it. And and people, um, uh, you know, it's you know, when people get their checks from the government for whichever way they do it, whether it's through their company or whatever it is they do, they don't go, oh, this government is so great. It's given me a check. I just love the government. It's it's given me this check. No, we don't say that. We take the money and then spit on them. 
Um, that's the nature of a handout. And, and that's what when governments do too much of this. Uh, it does not garner uh, respect amongst the population. The population is disrespectful to the government. And it says, give me that. It's like, um, anyway, it's just human nature. We uh, and, and our government, to the extent that it's a, an entity, but certainly it, it is, uh, it relies on, like you said at the very beginning of this, you know, the consent of people, you know, you, they couldn't have masked everybody or, or had everybody give everybody a shot in every arm like Biden wanted to do. Um, they don't have the force to do that. They don't have the people to do that. But they, what they were able to do is get all of us to comply and many of us to act as kind of state enforcers of whatever um, the, the rule is. So um, we can, the people consent and they conform and they obey. But increasingly, when the system starts to break down, which it's been doing for a long time in this country, certainly happened in the Soviet Union, people, when it starts to break down, people stop consenting and they stop obeying, you know, and they stop conforming. Um, now, do they do that openly? No, no, they don't. They don't do that openly, okay? They do it you know, kind of in many ways privately. Um, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we like the government. We like this. We like that. Um, but but privately, they don't. And that's when when great big systems that are too complex and too centralized fail, like the Soviet Union um, and like what, what's happening in this country, uh, this it happens. It, it the people know the people sense failure well in advance, and they are already working on what comes next. And so that's a very exciting thing. And you know this because you've been working in this for so long. You've seen it um, for years, for decades. I mean, really. I mean, we could go back before Ron Paul, but Ron Paul's era as a as a congressman and as a spokesperson for uh, in the Fed and things like that. Um, you know, that's that's really the time frame that we're kind of talking about. And what have we seen? People are people are very um, oriented towards uh, well, they they talk, they may they may like politicians or complain that this guy doesn't do that or whatever. But in their lives, we are uh, not looking for government help. We don't trust it. We'll take it if we can get it. But we're not counting on it. Um, do we obey the government? Well, one little factor I like to look at is how many people uh, drive, you know, 65 on a you know, on the highway when it's 65 and how many drove 55 when it was 55 yeah. on, on the interstate? Nobody, nobody. You drive, if you drive the speed limit, um, you beep, are, beep, beep, you know, beep. You're yeah, clover yeah. as, they're as, on your butt. And, and, you know, can, can, the, can, the, can the police enforce that? Well, only they can enforce it on a, in a small, small level. They can enforce it. Um, which is why we see the huge growth of the surveillance state. Why, why so much domestic surveillance and why so many domestic databases and, um, you know, why the effort to spy on Americans and to have everybody see something, say something, um, you know, there's a reason for that, but it's not for us. It's for survival of the government because they also understand, um, when I say the government, it's survival of the powers that be, the, the deep state, the status quo, uh, situation because there's way more of us than there is them and they're getting nervous they're getting very nervous it's a great thing i mean i'm optimistic about well, that but it's nervous, been going on for a long time they're getting nervous about uh, what much is it what what is there really you know the establishment nervous about as we say getting sit- nervous i think well obedience it's that thing we talked about before the show obedience disobedience misobedience um you know i think i think uh uh, they don't want us to communicate with each other. 
and they don't want us to joke about the government. They don't want us to um, make fun of the authority figures. Um, you know, they, they want us in public school where they can uh, teach us how not to think and they can deprive us of learning about history. But that's not working. That's not working. You know, the Internet, even with all of its flaws, um, even with Google blocking out, you know, and telling us what we can find when we do a search, you know, even with that, uh, it's it's too much to control. Um, they're in over their heads, uh, but they can't quit. And it's you know, you just think about what it takes to, to control people. Why do you think they hate TikTok? You know, I think I saw I saw an ad where, oh, uh, the, the, we want all these uh, Google, the American companies. Oh, Facebook wants to get. We can't have TikTok. We can't have TikTok because they collect data. What? <laughs> you know, they, all those guys collect all our data. They don't. They're worried the Chinese are going to collect it. Hey, you know, it, I don't. I'm not as worried about that. But what really, what really worries them about TikTok? They can't control and ban the stuff that's on TikTok. So say somebody has a real funny meme, just to use one meme, but. There can be a zillion of them. But let's say some stuff goes out on TikTok that actually causes people to um, hit some hit some where they live, kind of like the Anthony Oliver uh, song. You know, it went it went viral very rapidly. And why did people like it? They had people that don't even like country music or anything like that. They don't like uh, hillbilly music. They don't like anything like that. But they listen to that song. and They go, oh, my God, this guy's speaking my language. I know what he is saying. I feel the same way. The government hates that because that's us people talking to other us people. You know? And I think that's he handled that thing really saying, hey, well we- also by just going, hey, man, I'm not signing your gazillion dollar contract and selling out the whatever. Right. I'm not. I'm reading that's my right. Bible. I'm that's- up in the mountains. I'm feeling I'm just expressing yeah. myself. You guys can suck it. Then he gets on Jordan Peterson, right. goes on Rogue, goes everywhere. And that is the viral uh just a black yes. swan event kind of thing that, you know, it's all of a sudden somebody doesn't yeah. want to go to the back of the bus. And this is what we are so primed for right now. And when you, in your article, as you yeah. go through this, you know, you kind of get towards, there is a, a reckoning with humanity that is coming to decentralization of, you know, we just don't care. You know, it's not, you guys do whatever you're going to do, and we're going to take care of our community, family, uh, children, grandchildren, grow our own food, raise our own kids, homeschool. Yeah, and also, you remember the other song that was viral right before, maybe a month before the uh, Anthony Oliver song? Um, it was, of course, uh, not, in a sm- not in my town, not in a small town. And, um, of course, the left got all up in arms about that because that was that was actually a video sold by mainstream Hollywood music producers, right? I mean, it wasn't a guy singing from the heart necessarily, although um, the lyrics um, had the similar effect. People go, oh, yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Um, uh, and they woke up to it a little bit. And, of course, uh, that guy was owned, you know, that musician, not particularly owned. I mean, he's a good guy. But uh, his his label, you know, they edited his uh his video afterwards because uh, I think they took out the uh, uh, image of the courthouse in uh, Tennessee somewhere which had a it had a uh, a blighted past according to the woke uh, people and and so they took that out you know to not offend anybody um, but uh, yeah there's a there's a huge uh, vibrancy in the country it may not you may not see it in uh, you know, the way it looks, per se, the, the cities and jobs and the people. 
uh, the people are, you know, they're not, not in the best of shape, really. But, um, but there's a sense that uh, this has to stop. If I had those golden dreams. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Roads? It's the Ernest Hancock Show. Where we're going, there aren't any roads. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what readers of freemansphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freemansphoenix.com are constantly provided the information that detail the real news between the lines of propaganda about government policies and the true relationship we all have with coercive governments. Learn the true condition of our economy, innovations and technological breakthroughs in energy, health, computer science, and space travel. Learn the truth well before it's admitted to in the lamestream media, the media that is so last century. Corporate media has evolved into nothing more than distributors of government propaganda. But we now have a fantastic alternative. FreedomsPhoenix.com provides constant news updates on the issues that affect our lives in the most important ways. Our liberty and our property are under constant attack, and FreedomsPhoenix.com provides an understanding behind the propaganda while encouraging the participation of our readers. Join us at FreedomsPhoenix.com. That's Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. FreedomsPhoenix.com, where the revolution between the ears is already mature. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing our conversation with retired lieutenant colonel from the Pentagon, Karen Katowski. Now, she's very informed. She writes a great deal. You may have seen her stuff on the Internet on various platforms. And she's an activist. She's been a candidate before. She's a big Ron Paul supporter. And she knows what's going on from the inside. And I just love having conversations with Karen Katowski. Let's listen in on her perspective and learn something. There is a a reckoning with humanity that is coming to decentralization of, you know, we just don't care. You know, it's not, you guys do whatever you're going to do and we're going to take care of our community, family, uh, children, grandchildren, grow our own food, raise our own kids, homeschool, uh, do well, your... Yeah, Yeah. and also, you remember the other song that was viral right before, maybe a month before the uh, Anthony Oliver song? Um, It was, of course, uh, not in a small, not in my town, not in a small town. And um, of course, the left got all up in arms about that because that was that was actually a video sold by mainstream Hollywood music producers, right? I mean, it wasn't a guy singing from the heart necessarily, although um, the lyrics. had the similar effect. People go, Oh yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Um, uh, and they woke up to it a little bit. And of course, uh, that guy was owned, you know, that musician, not particularly owned. I mean, he's a good guy, but, uh, his, his label 
you know, they edited his uh, his video afterwards because uh, I think they took out the uh, uh, image of the courthouse in uh, Tennessee somewhere. It had a it had a uh, a blighted past, according to the woke uh, people, and and so they took that out, you know, to not offend anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a huge uh, vibrancy in the country. It may not you may not see it in uh, you know the way it looks per se the the cities and jobs and the people uh, the people are you know they're not not in the best of shape really but um, but there's a sense that uh, this has to stop and this over centralization of power and this authoritarianism and this war in other countries and of course you know we we we've said this every show war is the health of the state of course um, long been observed uh, when we're at war we always bring the war home. Um, both to force patriotism and obedience while the war is happening. And then when the war is over, it's ratcheted. We don't ever go back to where we were. So this increase of central control and authoritarianism has been going on for a long time. Until it doesn't. And, um, it's you, not, do you feel that it, until it's it not going? That's right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think uh, systemically it, it will collapse eventually. Um, but what I think, and maybe I'm just an optimist, but I think it is going to happen uh, much sooner. And it's, and I'll tell you another quote. This is, of course, the famous line by uh, Hemingway. Uh, you know, the guy asked the guy, uh, "How did you go bankrupt?" And he goes, "Oh, gradually at first, and then suddenly." And that has been popping up in all kinds of things in the past couple of years. You know, as people try to figure out what's coming, and um. It, it can happen. Decentralization can happen very rapidly. And in part, in part, the, the same enemy that we have, which is the government control of the networks and government control of the, the messaging and government surveillance. And we go, oh, that's, you know, technology is AI. All this is used by the government. It's going to really help them maintain authoritarianism and control. At the same time, all that technology also works for us. I mean, you know, you think about uh, energy technology. Um, what are people doing with these uh, electric car uh, batteries that they won't run a car, but they still store? They're, they're, there's house. a sec- whole second market. <laughs> there's a whole second market for your homestead, you know, or your or your barn or whatever, you know, to 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 store uh, solar power that oh, by the way, can be generated in a decentralized manner, you know, without you know, exactly. You know, this is one thing I wanted to point out is that there has <laughs> been a lot of criticism. Of uh, uh, you know, already you're electric, electric, you know, electric. You know how many you know African kids die making electric solar panels or some crap oh. like that. And I'm yeah, going, yeah. look, I don't look at it that way. I see it as decentralization. I'm in freaking Arizona. Are you kidding me? You know, of course I'm going to have you know solar panels and so yeah. on. So we already pre bought a bunch of our. We got yeah. up to like. I don't know, like nine kilowatts of power that we're making. We had the 40 kilowatts of batteries. Mm-hmm. We have uh, um, you know, all the wiring, everything. We're ready to go. Infrastructure. Well, what happened was in the build, we needed some equipment to do processing of the dirt and you know different things that we're doing. Well, what did I do? Everything that I got has an electric motor that goes to a hydraulic pump. Electric motor, hydraulic pump for the press. Electric motor for the trommel, you know, to separate the soil. We got this and electric. The reason was is because I knew that 
If I didn't, I'm having to depend on diesel. I'm having to go buy fuel. I'm having to store it, keep it there. Why? You know, it's not because I'm, you know, not that I'm not an environmental. I mean, I'm for as green and not polluting my fresh new, you know, Arizona desert dirt. But I mean, my big thing is decentralization. It's like we're not off the grid. We're above the grid. You know, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I just run for free. I could do it. I mean, if I could put a big extension cord in the back of the skid steer, I'd do that. In fact, I got ideas. So this is just a they don't understand the decentralized nature of these kinds of choices. They don't understand how we, you know, like Biden will go, oh, no, we we can't have a pipeline because. Because my friend Buffett, give me a bunch of money over here, needs to fill up his train tankers, you know. And I'm going, well, what he's not realizing, that people go, look, I don't need any of y'all. I'll take care of it myself. You know, we'll do solar water wheel or whatever the heck. You know, so the thing is decentralization. That's what's coming. And in the last paragraph of yours, I just want to get this in and we'll keep talking. You know, if history rhymes, this is what Karen's saying at the last paragraph. If history rhymes, and some say it does, we will have our own Gromico in 2025. Soon after, and sooner than many think, we'll watch our country and also the world decentralize in powerful ways that the angry mutterers in both parties cannot understand. Entropy comes from the Greek Entropia, meaning a turning towards transition. It's coming to America, and that's not a theory. Yeah. Yeah, the, the decentralization is coming. Oh, and let me let me say this, since you're talking about the, the grid, getting off grid or above grid. Um, you know, electric, problem with electric in this country and other places, but particularly in the United States, of course, it's all heavily government subsidized. So yeah. the real true costs are not accounted for and recognized in the market. But um, something that's going to break our grid, you know, the power grid, like you got your east, west in Texas, right? The power grid for the United States. And some of it, Canada shares some of it, I think, to the north. Um, it's going to get broken by uh, electric cars, <laughs> electric cars and all the chargers i mean um this this push which is all government directed not market driven i mean i'm not like there is a market for electric cars for sure but the push comes from the government the subsidies come from the government and um our grid's not ready to support that and it will break and as it breaks of course it's not going to break in one piece you know it's going to break at one time it's going to um break in the sense that it becomes more unstable and more unreliable driving driving more people to say hey what, what's Ernie doing wait a minute i want to do that <laughs> and so we we continue to adapt um and that adaptation uh decentralizes and decentralizing it will save uh lives it will save lives and it will save uh, the environment and it will save really everything um it won't save the empire Okay, and it won't save the United States military. It won't save the U.S. Congress and it won't save the so-called United States of America as a republic because we're not a republic. We're an empire. The empire will collapse and decentralize itself as well. And and people that are invested in the politics of that will feel pain. They will feel pain. Um, I'm not worried about how they're going to come out on the other end because most of them are wealthy and wealthy people always, you know, bounce around 
make make their way. Um, but but I think uh, in their in their uh, their visions and their expectations, they will have them crushed. They won't be powerful um, in the way that they currently are. And people that have power in the United States government, particularly the power of let's say the power to regulate, the power to create laws, the power to enforce laws. All these things that they have power to do, that that goes away. Um, it goes away because of decentralization. It goes away because there aren't any people to obey them. The, the obedient classes are uh, have changed and transformed themselves into something else uh, that is not obedient or less obedient. And so all this is happening. And um, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And it's, it's a... Uh, it, there, there are no negatives except for those that are thoroughly invested in the current system. That system is dying. Um, this is why I'm talking about Gromyko. You know, he he was the last uh, uh, of the old Soviet yeah, Union. Yeah, let's talk uh, about that. I want you to be Chief more specific about, you know, the system is dying. And I'm going, okay, define the system and how it's dying. You know, you know, like... Uh, a military industrial complex, the central banking, the central bank digital currencies, the surveillance state, the, you know, whatever, blah, blah, you know, the Internet. The, I mean, there's so many, you know, they forcing and pushing people into alternative medicine, alternative education, alternative energy, alternative governance, alternative, 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 meaning not them. Well, what is yeah. them? What's their hold? What's their strangle on this? And what has to happen before everybody just well, goes, nah, okay, we're first- done? Okay. Well, Anthony Gregory, I, I hate to keep coming back to him, but he said something like um, in his songs, he had, a, he had a phrase, our money ain't shit. Um, okay, there you go. There's a starting point. You know, this government, uh, the federal government, not the states, most, I think every single state has a balanced budget amendment. They have debt, but they're able to pay their debt with their assets. Um, but the federal government, of course, has no restriction on its debt. And that lack of re- and they also own their own bank, which is the Federal Reserve. So um, they can borrow money at will, create money at will. And that's really in controlling the money. That is how this U.S. empire, U.S. republic, whatever you want to call it. It's not a republic. But that's how the government, that's how the United States has kept its power intact. It is over control of the money. And, um, you know, Bitcoin, how long has Bitcoin been out? decade 15 years now since they first started with the with uh, like blockchain o, like currencies and things like that well yeah. yeah yeah so so the government uh, the banks immediately saw that as a threat and they were smart because it is a threat uh, you know this idea that that um we can actually trade in whatever currency we choose not a national fiat it. currency but but anything we want to tra- you know um yeah. So, so this is a problem for them. Um, but, but let's just look, forget even about Bitcoin. That's, that comes up as part of the solution. One of the many, you know, ways that people will cope when it, when it collapses. Um, but the ruble, the American ruble, which is the dollar, um, is going to, uh, it's already been devalued, consciously devalued by, uh, the Fed and the government spending, but it will end up, uh, having to be reset. I mean, it, it will, uh, if it's not going to go into hyperinflation, it will simply just not be the it will no longer be the currency of choice. Um, no one will trust it and people will increasingly not use it, which, of course, is what we're seeing with um, a number of trends globally with people saying, yeah, I, I need to be off the petrodollar. 
I mean, who would have thought uh, Saudi Arabia would ever um, sell oil in anything but the but the dollar? But but they do, they sell it in a number of things now. That's a huge huge change um, that that we prevented for I mean uh, you know eighty years or so since we you know got involved with Saudi Arabian oil and their government and the Middle East. So um, these things are changing, and this thirty three thirty four trillion in current debt that the government has right now, that they're fussing and fighting. Oh, we got to keep the government open. Why? 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 Really? I don't understand. But they they have this humongous debt that is really unimaginable. And it is not possible to pay this off. Um, the only thing we ever pay on that debt is interest. And of course, the interest rates are, are higher. So that's a, becoming a significant um, burden on the state. But but it, let's say we wanted to pay the capital back that the, that the state said, you know, yeah, we're just borrowers like anybody else, and we we intend to pay back the money that we borrowed. No, they don't intend to. They're not going to. But even if they did, let's say somebody elected president said, oh, we're going to make it right. We're going to pay back. No, you're not. There's not enough resources to do it. And the global debt in a similar fashion of other governments around the world is is more than there is on the entire planet. We would have to uh, colonize Mars and and enslave it. Let's assume there's little Martians there. We can make them work as slaves. Even then, we wouldn't be able to pay back the debt that's been accumulated by the governments uh, of the planet. But certainly, the United States government has accumulated a lot of the debt. And we cannot pay it back, and we have no intention of paying it back. Um, we also have an aging population uh, who have, uh, were promised many entitlements that many of them paid into, Social Security, it's it's uh, you you'll never see that money. I mean, that's new money that pays you if you're on Social Security. But uh, there's not enough. That's, I think, two hundred and fifty to two hundred and seventy five trillion dollars of entitlement promises that are not going to be funded. So um, this this breaks this kind of debt um, breaks the system. And it's not that it breaks it because you're going to pay it back. No, because they're not going to pay it back and they're not going to make good on those entitlement promises. It's it breaks because you recognize that it can't be paid back and you have to uh, reset the money. So, you know, we have the the global, uh, you know, World Economic Forum, people talking about their great reset. Now, they don't talk about the money, but honestly, the only real reset that's going to happen to these governments is the reset of their money. And um, it, this causes huge problems because, um, you know, people realize, wait a minute, you're telling me what to do. You're this authoritarian government. You're looking out for me. You're telling me what to do. From the time I get up in the morning, time I go to bed, I'm constantly being managed by my government. And all of a sudden, and you give me money to operate with, and I don't, I have complaints. And all of a sudden now it's not worth anything. Um, guess what? You know, if you have any strains of uh, disobedience or misobedience in your society, which we see in our society, um, much as we saw in, in a, to a great level in the Soviet Union uh, society, distrust of government this you know they didn't believe anything the government said um they acted like they would obey but they really wouldn't that's what they did that's what we're doing um so we're ready we're ready to uh yeah, break but, it. It, but it is, who it is already the broken barbecues the, the and your your heater and your stove i mean somebody's gotta you know yeah. keep track of your appliances you yeah yeah well those guys who all do that now um are not going to have a lot of friends and they will quickly learn to do other things that are more valuable uh, in their communities. Um, otherwise, they'll starve or get themselves beat up. Um, the, the people are not going to respect, uh, you know, we, we have a we have a huge, uh, well, hey, little prime example of what we're talking about, just a small one. Uh, news this summer 
about um, college degrees and how many, many, many universities, both state and private, are taking a look at all the degrees that they offer. And they go, oh, my God, most of these don't have jobs associated with them. You know, they don't they don't help our our, our students. And since they know that, uh, you know, all the colleges are really competing hard for uh, college students. Right. Um, and they need a, alumni that make money and give it back to the college. That was one of the big things and that you, funded them. Right. So, they don't have them out there. Right. Nobody's got a job. That's How are right. they going to going to send a letter to the alumni? Oh, right. support or whatever. And they go, yeah, as soon as I pay off my student loan at McDonald's, right. you know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So so uh, that's actually market pressures that are being exercised in spite of, and at the same time, we're, we're overwhelmed by wokeness in the university. At the same time, the guys, the presidents of the universities and the departments that monitor uh, the demographics and the futures and the, and the degrees, they're, they're making the right decisions. They're, they're saying, oh, my gosh, we have to compete for students and we have to develop the kind of alumni that can support us. And how do we do that? And I'll tell you, little college down here um, changed their way of doing business. It's a private college, very expensive, but um I say very expensive. It's there's plenty of them that are just exactly the same expensive in the area. But what they're doing to attract students is um, uh, they cut their tuition in half. They cut it in half. I mean, it's a major cut. And um, for for the in-state students. Now, they didn't do it for the out-of-states, but they did it for the in-states. And um, I think it's usually a strategic uh, decision. They're trying to be out in front. They're trying to get more people that they can then develop community with right we want more in-state students and we want more in-state alumni that we can then tap into and all of this stuff um very smart but and they don't want them to have to borrow so much because guess what paying the government paying the department of ed back for some cosmically high and uh never-ending uh student loan debt that takes money out of the university pockets because there's less money for their alumni to donate to them so um, and the and the you know and this and the alumni is paying this bill and going oh my god I'm never telling anybody to go to college look what happened to me right so they're dealing with uh, the marketplace which is uh, uh, now they have to compete for students and um, you know we still see some universities I think there's like seventy something of them in the whole country that still require uh, stupid COVID shots but what hap- what about all the rest of them what about the other four thousand or five thousand or ten thousand. Obviously, no, no COVID shot. Forget that. Forget that. That's bull crap. That deters people from coming to our school. We cannot have that. We must compete. We must have students. So looking at um, the kinds of degrees that they're going to offer, what makes sense in the future, you can learn a lot from what they're saying. And what are they saying? Well, uh, science, growing food, um, you know, technology, information, engineering, the same things we always thought of as the kind of things you would have and unfortunately they're not learning history they're not doing as much english but that's been fading for a while um and that's that's sad but where we are in history it will be can you work can you build can you produce that's where we are in this country and that's what's going to be needed after we get our our own gromico after our system uh decentralizes and spins uh really i think the end of empire and the end of dc uh it is coming so uh, as it decentralizes, what are we going to be looking for? It's just like in the, uh, the the early days of any country, but the early days of our own country. Uh, and many people are saying it's similar to, a, you know, the attitude, the feeling is similar. The spirit is similar to 1775. We're, we're, 
you know, we're feeling this sense. And what was valued then? Well, can you clear land? Can you build? Uh, can you work metal? Can you, you know, produce food? Can you train horses? What What is it that you can do that's useful? Can yep. you, can you, do you know how to store food? Can you process things that uh, other people need? Can you sew? You know, um, it, what is you know, there's needed a meme that country? I just put up on, to- on the site. It went like this, and it has an asteroid coming in, you know, hitting the Earth. And the meme goes, when the existential event happened 12,000 years ago, the survivors continued on using the skills they used in daily living. If it happens tomorrow, we are effed. Very few know these skills today. So this is the one thing that is very interesting, certainly in America— if we have, you know, some big giant, oh my God, existential, whatever the heck, um, who knows how to start a fire? I mean, you know, it's like this is very simple, basic eating, growing, educating, you know, community market. Well, where I can get my next meal from, what am I going to use for currency, whatever. We are so dependent on technological babysitters for freaking everything, you know, walk us through the the hedgerows. We need to make sure that we have some fundamental basic skills of you don't die from starvation, uh, duh. Well, that is gone, and it sure as heck is not in education system. So this is why when you get some more hillbillies, you know, in Appalachia, or guys living in the desert, or homeschooling their families, and then you get them in college class, and they actually can think. What do they think? Doesn't even really matter. It's that they can think. You know, so can think means maybe you can eat. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! With me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing the conversation with retired Lieutenant Colonel Karen Katowski from the Pentagon. She was uh, she's very well informed, very well read, and she has a lot to share with us. I look forward to sharing a lot more conversations with Karen over the years here. We've known each other for almost 20 years, and I always get the behind the scenes and I'm sharing it with you. We are so dependent on technological babysitters for freaking everything, you know, walk us through the the hedgerows. We need to make sure 
that. We have some fundamental basic skills of you don't die from starvation. Uh, duh. Well, that is gone, and it sure as heck yeah. is not in education system. So this is why when you get some no, more no, hillbillies, you know, in Appalachia or guys living in the desert or homeschooling their families, and then you get them in college class and they actually can think. What do they think? Doesn't even really matter. It's that they can think. You know, so can think means maybe you can eat. So this is, we're going to be tested. And when it happens, who's going to rise to the top? They're going to wave around their, you know, women's studies degree all they want. It doesn't mean squat. So I'm looking at there is going to be a change. Yeah, Yeah, it is is coming. And the other thing about decentralization, it's not it's not chaos. Of course, it is to the authoritarians, but. The, the decentralization and and, uh, and necessity, which drives, you know, the mother of invention, all that, right? But also what that does is it strengthens families and extended families rather than yep. reducing them. And it's the opposite. It's really the opposite of what we're seeing with woke. Woke and, um, and also globalism. This globalism, like we have to, you know, fight wars for fake democracies here and there. Um, all of that breaks up families. War, war breaks up families too. I mean, people take sides and it's a problem. The shot, certainly the authoritarianism causes people to make a choice. And sometimes they choose, uh, to, to leave, to separate from their families emotionally or, or physically in other ways. And, um, but that's not what decentralization does in an, you know, when we're having to rebuild and strengthen and support ourselves locally. What happens is, um, we we uh, our families are strengthened and people that may have been kicked out of our family because they didn't behave well miraculously begin to behave well because we have food and they don't so you know they come back and and you know and we say well you know what i kicked out my uh my kid who was uh, uh, a gender confused person and this we had this huge falling out in the family because half of them disagreed with whatever but then it turns out well you know what this kid really knows how to make soup out of stones, whatever, right? And so what do we do? Well, we need soup out of stones, so we we bring this kid. You know, we become more empathetic in many ways to things that right now we have the luxury of using to separate ourselves. And, of course, this is very purposely encouraged by the authoritarians because they want people atomized. They want us, you know, not to have connections. They don't want us sharing TikTok videos, right, that they can't control and they can't edit. They want uh, us to be atomized so that we just look to the state. What did what did Biden tell us? He said, put a mask on. I'm putting a mask on. I'm reporting all my neighbors who are not putting a mask on. OK, that's what they want. But that doesn't that's not very productive. Um, if the choice is between obeying an authoritarian or eating, we will choose to eat. And yeah, you know, when it comes down to you got to eat, this is oh, what I anticipate is going to happen. There is going to be a revitalization of meritocracy that you actually what you can do and the biggest mm-hmm. thing that inspiration that people have in a lot of the writings that you do your professorships your speaking engagements all the, you know a lot of the things that the liberty community a lot of the people that we know together you know both of us see this happening that all of a sudden the confidence that you had in supporting ron paul the confidence you have in espousing liberty-oriented libertarian anarchist leave me alone you know um 
uh, solutions to everything. Freedom's the answer once the question. By doing that, yeah. the confidence you know comes from competence of actually knowing something and doing stuff. When you do that and you just know that sooner or later all this is going to come around. All this is going to be – I can wait. I had somebody on the love bus yesterday, um, a friend of my mother-in-law. She saw you know the studio we have in here, and they were touring it, and we were working and had some stuff, and we had – there was one of my computers had a video up of Vivek giving a presentation that I wanted to finish watching later. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about some of the candidates here in a little bit. But, you know, so she's like, well, those Republican, I'm a libertarian. Well, what's that? And, got, and just wanted to, you know, explain it to me, you know. And she said, well, you get your shot. Oh, you didn't get your shot. Oh, my goodness, I have to get out of the bus kind of thing, you know. And I'm going, you know. And she goes, well, you saying it's all a lie that the whole world? I go, yeah, I am. And I go, all I got to do is wait. It's timing. It's time. We're going to see this happen. And you're seeing all I always said. It, it won't happen all at once, but it will happen overnight. Well, of course, you're going to see all the stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's Monday. It's bank holiday. It's their reset or whatever. It's the great reset that happened uh, uh, 12 hours ago. I mean, it, it's coming. And then one of the stories we have up that's going up today is Justin Trudeau. They passed a bill that gives them control over podcasters. Okay? They want to control. I saw, or they're developing. Yeah, yeah. Any dissent, any dissent. And then <laughs> while the whole time he's all buttering up, yeah. you know, buddying up to, you know, uh, Zelensky, and then you have the truckers, the, the convoy and so on, a bunch of Nazis. He has an actual Nazi in the, you know, parliament. They're all cheering for and everything. The Speaker of the House or their, whatever their yeah. head guy in the parliament there resigns. Well, you know, um, yeah. Okay. I tell you that that that's a very uh, uh, that that is a demonstration not even of how stupid Trudeau is and his people up there some of them but you know um, you had a whole parliament and their guests all standing and clapping and not a single one of those people this is my assumption not a single one of those people remembered or knew who was fighting whom in World War II in Europe. Yeah, Russia um, was our allies. If were, <laughs> yeah, if you were fighting the Russians in World War II, by definition, you were a Nazi. Okay, that's just that's history. Unfortunately, it doesn't fit their modern narrative. But you, I looked at all those people standing and clapping, and you did, really didn't even see people like not clapping. They were all participating. And the power of confirmation, the power of uh, peer pressure, the lack of historical knowledge that they have, and not a single one of them or their staffs ever said anything to their people. Hey, this dude is a Nazi, but not because he's a, you know, an actual member of an SS Waffen group, not that, but because you're telling me he fought the Russians in, you know, 1940 Okay, well, if he fought the Russians, he was fighting Americans, and we were fighting the Nazis. Meaning, he was fight- nobody said that. So that's the quality of our education, and also the power of doc- indoctrination, the power of uh, mass stupidity. And um, guess what? If I was a Canadian and I'm seeing my whole Parliament, I would say not so much upset that oh, you know, they honored a Nazi because that's that is beyond the pale, of course. But the fact that they're all so stupid. You know, this is this is like, oh, my God, that's my government. Well, you know, you wouldn't obey a government that was made up of people 
They couldn't even figure out who's fighting who in a war that we talk about, I mean, daily. Do we not talk about World War II almost daily? That was the great, that was the big war that put the United States up on top, made us the superpower. Yeah. And we, we hear, you hear our politicians talking about it all the time. And yet, and Canada, Canada the same. So they talk about World War II, but they have no understanding of what it was they're talking about. So they don't deserve respect and they certainly don't deserve obedience. And that to me was a great lesson there. I mean, it is unfortunate and sad that, that what they did. Now, the other thing that was so funny is that one of the most enthusiastic clappers, of course, was Zelensky, who is actually, you know, aligned with Nazis fighting Russians right now. So <laughs> he, he was legit. I, I don't mind that he clapped. That's legitimate. That's honest. That was the most honest thing Zelensky's done in probably eight months. Yeah, the other guys were maybe, circus maybe poodles. They were just doing what they're supposed to do. But the other guys, yeah. Sure, they were doing what they were told, uh, and they didn't. That, that's not an excuse because, honestly, honestly, we do in our schools, and I'm sure in Canadian schools, talk. We teach something to those public school kids about World War II. Sir, surely they know who was fighting who in Europe. Surely, and if they don't, uh, guess what? I'm not listening to any of them. <laughs> you know, they they, they do not deserve. Uh, your respect. They do not deserve your obedience. They are not competent to rule. And they're not your, basically, you know, at this point, they're not my rulers. Now, of course, Canada, the Canadians aren't my rulers, but, but neither are the people in Washington. And that, that kind of thing, um, could happen to some extent in Washington. And certainly it did. I mean, you know, last eight months ago, when Zelensky was welcomed in our own Congress as a hero, um, you know, that was, that was unforgivable. Um, you know, they, they clearly do not know. Uh, anything about history, they don't know anything about what's happening. They are tools of the military industrial complex. Okay, uh, authoritarians. Let's go ahead. I, you know, I, I want you to go ahead and comment on this comment. There is going to be looking back onto this time in history as what the crap was going. What do you think is the lesson? You know, just the past, not even the Trump thing. I mean, just the past mm-hmm. month. I mean, you know, the past, you know, um, after. When they had COVID and it's the, on top of the everybody and they got their own get masked up and now, and then Ukraine, you know, they got the support for Ukraine and on a dime, all of these, you know, the parliament and everybody clap, golf clapping. Oh, wait a minute. I got to put a Ukraine flag on my Facebook. Boom. And the transition shift from COVID to that was like overnight, literally. I mean, it was boom, yeah. turned on a dime. That from that moment there to now, and you know the twenty-four election cycle. When it's five years from now, another one or two presidential election cycles go by, and they go back like they always reference Reagan or they always reference whatever. When they reference this time, what do you think is going to be the common evaluation of what we're going through? Well, end of empire. Um, and I'll tell you, if you listen to radio, and I, I listened to uh, some this morning, earlier today, um, there's a there was a, a, a something there's a loose meme or something going around uh, Twitter and everything else saying um, people are referring to and thinking about the Roman Empire, yep. and um, the radio guy was saying there's this thing going on, and he says I think it started in Reddit somewhere, and I'm like oh yeah really started in Reddit okay, and he goes and I he goes I don't know he says the wife said she asked her husband do you ever think of the Roman Empire and her husband 
looked at her and said, yeah, I, I think about it every day. And, and, and so this is the kind of, a, is that real? Is it whatever? And so it's going around and it, and the radio guy, typical, typical uh, American, I guess, is saying, well, you know, when I think of the Roman empire, I think of Hollywood depictions of, um, you know, these Roman empire uh, movies and stuff. And I'm like, God, you know, well, okay, that's your, I'm glad you think about that. But really, the Roman Empire, when people who think about the Roman Empire in this country and other places think about it, we think about it as how it ended, okay? And how did it end? It ended with leaders who were incompetent and criminal and uh, uh, immoral, <clears throat> in so many ways immoral. It ended with um, kind of what we're seeing with the wokeness, the uh, the breakdown of society, the end of uh, marriage, the end of yeah, family. Um, the decadence of traditional yep. end of family decadence is the word I'm looking for. Yes. Yep. It ended with decadence and that's also uh, financial decadence and the great buildings of the government, the great borrowing and the great um, unfunded uh, projects that the government has pursued. And of course, naturally increased taxes and increased pressure on the producers. Um, and of course, at the lowest end of the worker level uh, poverty, at the middle level, compression and reduction of a so-called middle class, which we certainly seen. So, so many of the parallels of how a great empire ends, um, we are seeing. And so I don't know if the guy, if the wife's husband, you know, if this is real, not real, but the idea of thinking about the Roman empire is uh, how we will look at it. We will look at it as the second great, um, empire in the model of the Roman empire where, um, it overstepped yeah. and it became arrogant and authoritarian and hollow both in its money and its moral authority, um, it began to lose wars. Oh, my goodness, it began to lose wars. Oh, that's well, definitely they're bad. They're losing now. Yeah. And it began and it began to, to lose F-35 airplanes over over South Carolina. Right, 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 you know, right, right. Guy in Jackson. They know what is. Everybody yeah. go outside and look. It begins to. You know, we have, yeah, I wanted it, it, to define a, the word decadence. I hear it a lot. I want to make sure we got this. I look it up and it goes a process, okay. condition, or period of deterioration or decline as in morals, art, decay, whatever. So it's a moral mm -hmm. um, deterioration of a society. And what is, that's one thing I always said. I go, we're going to be fine. Humanity always, we, we're fine. And sooner or later, we're fine because we always act in what we perceive to be our own self-interest. And when it becomes a food thing, this all turns into a food thing. FYI, I, you know, it's just going to be a food thing. It's it, and it's already started for a lot of people. They can't afford food. I mean, you know, it's going to be a food thing. I guarantee it. Well, what happens is yeah. when the, as you get towards that, um, you you see what made it so. How did that happen? I got a book. It's called uh, Red Famine. And uh, my mother and my wife was up here this summer. My mother-in-law had um, operations. She's hanging with her. I don't know why she got this, but she got this book for her because they're originally, the families are from Ukraine. So her uncles and so on, they, they have a lot of family in Ukraine. Well, they were more Western Ukraine and not as, you know, eating their children or so on like they were doing in Eastern Ukraine. But it was, um, uh, so this kind of, you know, rang home for them. Well, my mother-in-law read this, and uh, and I saw the book there, and I got it. I'm sitting here looking at it. I'm going to read it um, because it'd be interesting. Because I believe we're going through this. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be a food thing. They are trying to, you know, make you know, you're you're going to eat bugs because you're not going to have anything else. That's why, you know. So I'm going. 
this is the model that we're going through, but this what was the base of it? What was the foundation? What allowed them to be able to turn a meritocracy, Yankee know-how, you know, by your own bootstrap kind of thing? What is taking that away and our resilience as individuals, as state, the purpose of government defense of individual rights, it doesn't do that, it's time to alter, abolish, it's your right, your duty kind of mentality thing. And we got guns. You know, oh yeah, well we got guns. We're going to make, yeah, well we got guns. So this is, I'm looking at this, what was the secret sauce? And I'm from looking at the Roman Empire and the decadence, it was the attack on the family unit. It was mom and dad raising generation next to be able to be competent adults to keep feeding themselves, build their own homes, educate their own children, grow their own food, source their own water, create their own markets, deal with their community, be a good neighbor. All that foundational stuff got replaced just like in 1984, the movie is their, you know, minute of hate as they're yelling at the screen. That's what we're seeing. And Orwell depicted this so well. Yeah. He goes, you know what the future is? It's a jackboot on a human face forever. Don't let it happen. Okay. Well, we're at that stage. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. When you wrote this, you did a lot of the current and we know and CIA mouthpiece uh, Ignatius is announcing that we're going to have a change in the guard of the whatever and the left and the right and they, them, those, the military, industrial, they're going to do whatever anyway. And, you know, all of this. But the light at the end of the tunnel, the meritocracy return, the humanity will not go quietly into that good night, that that is what we can see. My only fear, and for years I've been saying this, and you may remember you and I talking about it, is that the only way they prevail, they, them, those won't leave us alone, is if they can change us, humanity, at a fundamental level, physically, spiritually, intellectually, you know, whatever. Well, they've been able to do it, as they always have, from a meritocracy to who you know, what you know, and what list you're on kind of crap. and But then our DNA comes in, and we just you know want to keep on keeping on and keep breathing in and out and kind of stuff. Well, what if they can change that? What if they can change humanity? What if they can dial down, you know, your resistance just a little bit? What if they go and they, you know, do the uh, King Solomon thing, you know, they're going out killing all the... Uh, young Jews trying to get rid of Jesus, you know? What if they're out, you know, going to get the babies? What if they're looking at the DNA? Woo, you got a little bit too much of uh, William Wallace in you. You need not uh, 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 make it out of the baby hospital. I mean, when they start going after our humanity, and then they come up with all this COVID mRNA shot kind of, I'm going, holy crap, did we manifest this? You know, so this is, that's the only thing I'm afraid of. And even then, humanity always finds a way. We are at that point now. And I'm seeing that we are got to have what? You know, a turn to what? Well, there's a God thing going on. There's always that. And then we have near the top, within the top four stories, I think it is here, on Freedom's Phoenix, 
Tyrese, which is a rapper and um, an actor in Fast and Furious or whatever, he goes on a talk show to promote the movie, and he starts going on all about, calls out devil worshiping. And they took this segment, and they took all these videos of the Grammys and the Oscars and all these different um, videos. and MTV. They, are, they used to be in the basement. Now they're out on national broadcast television wearing devil costumes, doing devil stuff. We've got you know, Satan Club in school, and we're doing... This is the beginning of the end for them. This is this had, but it's not going to happen with us sitting on our butt either. And it's not going to be go vote harder. It is go you do wallet voting. It's how you spend your time, how you raise your kids, what support you do your grandkids. It is us. It is us. It's decentralization of authority and power down to the family, to the individual. That is what's coming. And Karen's article, My Gromico Theory, on LouRockwell.com and everywhere else, that she just wrote a couple days ago, this is just a beginning. Because this is a lot of what Karen says a lot anyway. You know, she understands this. But you have optimism based on what, Karen? What is your optimism of this too shall pass? You know, comes from where? It comes from physics, <laughs> entropy. Uh, enter- the power cannot stay sustained in one place. It always decentralizes, and it um, once it starts, it goes even faster. Taking care of business. From the studios of Freedom's Phoenix, Ernest Hancock. Article My Gromico Theory on LouRockwell.com and everywhere else that she just wrote a couple days ago. This is just a beginning because this is a lot of what Karen says a lot anyway. You know, she understands this. But you have optimism based on what, Karen? What is your optimism of this too shall pass? You know, comes from where? It comes from physics, <laughs> entropy. Uh, enter- the power cannot stay sustained in one place. It always decentralizes, and it um, once it starts, it goes even faster. So, uh, and we're we're in that right now in the loss of faith, just like just like you're talking about, just like that that rapper was talking about. You know, um, he's his eyes are opened, and he says, you know what, this is not what should have power. What has power should not have power. And so that's authorization for us. That is liber- lib- you know, liberating us. Find power in a decentralized way and to turn away from authoritarianism because it doesn't work unless we obey you know it doesn't work unless we um obey the government but you're right about you're right about the concern on the biological editing of of humans and uh you know the 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 elite the global elite uh very much abuse many Americans as useless eaters which they have said they have said that they've used that term but they um if we're not useless eaters and need to be destroyed, we are farm animals that need to be harvested, um, yeah. you know, corralled and, and harvested. So, if we do, don't decentralize, uh, what's coming uh, could be extremely anti-human. Um, it, it's and and I think, but see, here's the thing: people are waking up to it, and that's all it really takes is people, you know, waking well, up to it. Well, they're going after away, They go becoming, anybody that supports. I've been to. Um, you know, different rallies or something, friends around the country, and there happened to be a thing here and a thing there. I'm covering something, and I and I get it. You know, I'm going, yeah, the people, it's a, like Kamala Harris was saying when, after uh, she was vice president-elect, she's like, we know where you are. We know who you are. We got, yeah, I got the list right. We're going to get some. You know, so they, and then the January 6th thing happened and demonstrated they're going to, any and everybody. Oh, yeah. so and, and it was, you know, yeah. I, I'll tell you, 
off air, the audience already knows, but you know I got subpoenaed to Washington, D.C. last December for January 6th thing. Yeah. Because I knew what they're going to do. They're taking new alternative media influencers, and they're saying, you should not interview these types of people and these types of subjects at these types of times that you're not allowed, and we're going to regulate podcasts, so saith Justin Trudeau. And I'm going, then they're going to take you and use your own cooperation against you. And then what did they do? Exactly that with Owen Schroeder from InfoWars. That's exactly what they did. I go, this is why I did this. This, this, this is why you don't cooperate with this kangaroo court crap. So they're going to get some Ernie eventually, but, you know. That's a great story. It's a great lesson. And I know, um, and it is understood. It is well understood. Take the anti-war thing. I mean, uh, on the left and the right, the real right, you have a common shared anti-war perspective. Um, And that is a a legit uh, common shared value. Uh, Now, (laughs) when they go beyond that, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, when they they address uh, rights, the role of government, um, the role of the individual, all these things. Yes. Then the progressives and and uh, the the true libertarians, of course, are not in the same place. But um, I think some of it is probably just uh, looking for an audience now that they are not finding that audience in the traditional or the modern uh, Democratic Party. I think part of it's that. Now, the other part of it clearly is to um, break up the libertarian movement, which has already begun to happen. You know, we have pro-war libertarians. We have pro-intervention libertarians now. We have left libertarians now who who um, uh, believe government is good and, and it ought to fight for other democracies. And, and if we say Ukraine's a democracy and it gets attacked, we should fight for them. Yeah, and well, what kind of libertarians are they then? How, how, how do they make a claim well, of being libertarian? Well, let me tell you, um, I was observing this to some extent, but last Saturday at the Mises Circle in Nashville, um, and those videos should be up soon, there was a, um, uh, we had uh, uh, Ted Galen uh, Carpenter, uh, who used to be at Cato for a long time, and he gave us a discussion and explanation of what's happening uh, in the Libertarian Party, and, and we have a statist branch of uh, basically a pro-war statist branch of libertarianism and um that aspect of libertarianism is very much a good wise target for the progressives because they do share the value they share values that you and i would not share with um, a progressive uh perspective at all but but there are libertarians out there so it is you know some of it's just marketing you know where could where might my readers be especially since the democratic uh leadership is not going to tolerate um, you know, real. I'm a military uh, industrial complex guy, but I know how to spell libertarian. Pick me. You know, I, I, I'm like, that is so. That's go. why we there had the go. bumper stickers well. to say, yes, I'm that libertarian. So when I had the, my um, uh, yeah. uh, progressive guy that I had on, he goes, oh, no, you're you're a reasonable guy. I can work with you. You're reasonable. We could, you know, have a conversation. You're reasonable. You know, like, I'm going, no, 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 no. I'm that libertarian. Okay. So this is, as time goes on, they're just marketing. They're just, there's something going on. I feel a trigger getting pulled. There is something, you know, the Soros yeah. just funding the, the uh, woke DA kind of thing. I, I think that's not working or is that just a, a wave for salvo of creating all kinds of strife in the city so they can make them smart cities or are they they're trying to bring down defund the police so we can bring in a national police or we're going to i mean there's all there's something weird something wicked this way is here 
and I yeah. have yet to get a yeah. real well, you know, grasp of it. Yeah. Well, you you kind of answered. You kind of have the solution in what you said. They aren't going to be able to um, debate very well with with a libertarian. Uh, most libertarians understand libertarian principles, and so um, it's actually good if they come and talk to us because they will learn something. Um, we won't learn as much as they will learn. Right, um, right. So I think I think we always have the advantage um, because anything driven by principle is is going to be uh, uh, more contagious than something that is not driven by principle. And I think most of these progressives um, have lost their. Uh, sense of of uh, solid principles they just don't have them and they're searching like everybody we want to have the answers what are the answers and so if they come talk to the libertarians even the the pro-war libertarians they may walk away um more informed i don't see this as a takeover thing although um you know we are seeing a, a split in the libertarian party and i do think that a lot of that has to do with uh, fears that the libertarian uh, ideas will come more, um popular amongst independent voters. And again, this 2024 presidential is going to be uh, different. You're going to see, um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if we won't have a reform candidate, you know, that really, you know, does as well as, uh, as we had. Uh, well, who's the prominent libertarian the, uh, presidential nominee going to get person <laughs> sanctioned by the well, internal we whatever? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there's a couple people running for it, um, and and I think they are now that the uh, more Austrian free market libertarians are in control of the party. Uh, it'll probably be a good candidate. Oh, and we also saw this attack on the Libertarian Party long before what you're talking about. Because look at when they took uh, Barr and and some of these other guys who were not even libertarians oh, yeah. at all, but they had they were mainstream. Republicans and they took them and ran them as libertarians. I mean, I didn't vote libertarian for those people. I would never vote for those people. Why? Right. Why you think we're that stupid? So, um, you know, it's they're looking this, for this a money making uh, mechanism. That's all they're looking for. Hey, Anthony, Anthony Oliver's songs. That's a libertarian theme in many ways. Yep. You know, he he has he has nailed it. And how many um, you know? potential i mean they offered him millions and millions of dollars if the libertarian ideas are they do need to be fought because they are powerful they are powerful and i think um again it's kind of this whole decentralization we're seeing those libertarian ideas pop up everywhere and they're very attractive and i think um the the candidates who appeal to those the most in in the 2024 election and the parties that appeal to those the most are going to they're going to they're going to see a they're going to see a payoff for the uh, first time in i think decades or ever i think we're going to see a payoff those people with libertarian ideas not necessarily the party but those people that are embracing uh uh limited or end of uh government as we know it um they're embracing individualism they're embracing peace uh we're going to see the voters um vote for those people and this is why trump was so popular in 2016 and in 2020, his his uh, peace message, you know, uh, all this other stuff, these kinds of things resonate with people, very popular, um, and the, the, the uh, powers that be, the status quo, deep state, whatever you want to call it, neocons are right to be afraid. They're very right to fear this because uh, it's coming for them. I am very um, optimistic about the future simply from a standpoint of abundance. There is going to be, you want to have your smart city and be a drone and well, peace out, I don't care. But they're always wanting to eliminate options and choices to make their choice 
you know, oh, we didn't, you know, it's a voluntary choice. You, you wanted to live in this city. It's like, you know, well, we didn't make you take the shot, you know, as they threatened you every which way and you couldn't do anything, you know, but we didn't make you. We didn't make you. And I'm like, you know, these, I, I, I'm so tired of the tolerance that the people have for total BS. And it's starting to get to the point that sooner or later, as I always predicted, Humanity realizes that they have to act in what they perceive to be their own self-interest. Well, that's why they BS them into you're going to die if you have somebody walk and cough, you know, at the grocery store in front of you. So I'm just, as time goes on, they start to perceive it's in their own self-interest to oppose tyranny, to oppose authoritarianism, to support diversity in thought, diversity in, you know, uh, how you have choices to make options for everything and i this decentralization and Mm -hmm. this meritocracy that's going to be returning just like you say for universities and so on uh all of a sudden it's going to meet the opportunity where i don't the bad guys man they didn't see this one coming when crypto came and you had all these liberty oriented you know liberty uh, anarchists, libertarians type, all of a sudden become crypto rich. And then they're like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, we can't have that, you know. And this has been, and then the free market opportunities, like with Silk Road and Ross Ulbrich, you know, getting triple life sentences and all of a sudden mm-hmm. for doing a web page. So this is what they are afraid of. And we just have to just ignore them and just develop our own infrastructure and just do it. You're like, Karen, you live on a, a farm. I mean, you got uh, you, your community around you. I, you probably find out where to get your next meal or you go out and slaughter a, a goat or something. You know, this is this has been such an obvious solution since forever. And now it's and for the past few years, all I've been mantra, I've been, I go, look, bottom line, this is all going to turn into a food thing and whatever you know manifestation but it's going to be about putting calories you know that nourish your body in your mouth and you where are you going to get that how are you going to get that how are you going to be allowed to get that and then what are you going to use to buy it and how much tracking you're going to do all this stuff is a lesson for people of the need for decentralization to get off of the banks out of their system Grow your own food, educate your own kids, have your own markets. All the, this is happening, and all of this is in my head when I read my Grominko theory by Karen Katowski on Lou Rockwell, <laughs> and I get it. And I'm going, she gets it. You know, Karen, you and I have known each other for a long time, and I'm telling you, this is so good to have you articulate what's coming and why. And I just want. Before you go, the last thing I want you to share with the audience is if you have any timing. Are you you thinking, oh, my God, it's taking this long? When's this ever going to happen? Or is it kind of evolving the way you think it's healthy for the planet? What what do you think in the near future, long future, where are we going? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think I've been for many years. I was waiting, waiting. It's when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And now I realize it's been happening. It's happening right now. Right. Um, and, and all the stuff you're talking about and the way people are. And in this country, you know, we talked about the BRICS. OK, so the BRICS are turning away from the U- U.S. as a superpower because um, we're no longer a superpower and we can't do anything about it. And that's wonderful. Um, we're I think we're going to see 
that I think we're seeing it right now with the various states in this country. Uh, we have 50 states and a bunch of territories, and many of them, um, you, you know, you mentioned Texas sending uh, bus loads up to New York and, and to Chicago and places saying, hey, you're refu- you know, you're a, a, this is what you want. Here is some of what you want. And he and the states are if, if they called Biden and said, hey, I'm the governor of Texas. Can I can I do this? Of course, Biden would say no, but they're not calling and asking for permission at all. They're not asking for permission. They're just doing it. They're behaving autonomously in many ways. And I think that's going to increase. Um, we're seeing people already. Uh, vote with their feet. And so the decentralization is actually happening um, all around us. And people are thinking about things like food. Uh, there was news just uh, a day or two ago uh, from the Walmart, the guy, one of the Walmart uh, president CEO uh, talked about how shopping practices in Walmart, they're seeing people choose um, less processed food. Well, processed food costs more, so they're choosing less of it. They're drinking less soda because soda's expensive and it doesn't give you that caloric bang for the buck that you need. And they're already seeing people making different choices. Um, so anyway, it's happening right now. Just open your eyes, you'll see it. And and I wanted to refer to an article, a friend of mine, Jonathan Newman at the Mises uh, Institute. He has a great article that came out on the 30th. So that was Saturday. And you can find it there at, at uh, Mises.org. And the title of the article, it's not its not crazy. He's an economist. It says, is the money in your checking account, is it yours or the bank's? Right. Very simple question. We put that up. And guess yeah. what? Well, yeah. People don't have money in banks. I mean, maybe they don't have so much. They'd like to have more, you know, whatever. But um, most people, many people in this country do get, they have a bank account because they're their paycheck is deposited or their um, their welfare check is deposited or their uh, social security check retirement checks are deposited into a checking account. And his article is, is very short. It's very sweet. It's very interesting. It's very crazy. I mean, it's very scary. Um, but he just, he talks about it in a very logical language. And he says, you know, uh, is the money in your checking account yours or the banks? And how many people do you think in this country are already thinking about that, what you just said, you you reminded me of it with the story of what happened to the Canadian truckers. But um, it's a very kind. These are the kinds of questions that average people, not libertarians, average Americans are asking, and that's part of how we break this system. We just we just say, hey, we're going to ask the right questions, and we're not going to obey um, unlawful or stupid or um, overly centralizing orders from fake authority figures. We're not doing it. Well, now we um, can. We're turning away from that. That's a, that's the whole point. You know, when we did this, you know, for years, I've been going, man, I want to get on the land, occupy the land, go to, yeah, go to occupytheland.org and you'll see what we're building. Yeah, that's a long story. Occupytheland.org, occupy the land. Well, the whole point was, is I'm going, when we have the ability to communicate, when I get my satellite, communication, internet, whatever, whether you support Starlink or Musk or not, not the point. It demonstrated the technology. We're out of the cities now. We have the ability to generate our own power. We have the ability to grow our own food. We have the ability to educate our kids with the information from the world available to us with communication. We could do markets. We could do... This is the beginning of... You know, the new Pax Americana thing. Yeah, this is the Pax of, you know, Pax of people, you know. So I am looking for okay. the, you know, the, this, this abundance that is available because everything costs crap tons of money because of energy. You know, the armies to support access 
to the energy, the energy, the subsidizing of the energy, the padding and the making of the mud of the energy, the energy. You, you know what? How much is dirt? How much is a raw material? How much is oil to make? You know, plastic, a car, or this, that. It's, it's nothing. It's the processing of it with the energy. Heck, even you know, I need a bunch of cement. You know, it's what a bunch of heat and energy to make. Portland cement. I mean, it's energy, energy, energy. You crack that. We get the fusion reactor of the Mr. Fusion of we get the whatever solar secret, whatever the heck. You know, it doesn't matter. But that it's decentralized. Solar allows for that. And that's why they, man, they don't, no, oh, they, they want to push the solar, have the solar, the solar, whatever. Don't care. I, I don't even look at, you know, the batteries. I don't care. I'm looking at the decentralization I get above their grid. And this is what's coming. The technology supplies it, and the communication was the last thing for me to be able to pull this trigger, which we're doing. And I can see that my children and grandchildren are going to be fine, but we have to get to the point that we understand that we are not fine with a yoke on our neck. We are not fine with a central authority five-year plan of we got to, and oh, by the way, you need to, you know, cut off your children's genitalia. You know, I'm going, this is not fine. So now we're starting to see that what is the foundational base and purpose of government, the defense of individual rights and, you know, uh, protection of uh, the Constitution or whatever agreement we have, you know, how we're going to live from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and just worry about our borders and the rest of the world, not my problem. You know, no tangling alliances, free markets for everybody, little kid making widgets in the jungle of Amazon can sell to little kids, whatever the heck they want to hang, you know, in their room, you know, with crypto. I mean, what the world is going to devoid itself of these kinds of controls, regulations, and a cut for the man all the time. When that happens, which is happening now, which is why they have to have more and more draconian controls and CBDC. So end it on that as you got to go out. You know, CBDC, I mean, how, how's that going to play out, you think? Well, it certainly is in the interest of the dying governments to have it, but I don't, I don't, it's not going to, um, it is not going to work. And, and actually, a great example of that is just look at how it worked in Nigeria with the uh, E-Naira. They had a, a yeah. and it was uh, mandated and still was not adopted. It's, it just, it, you know, we don't, centralization, over-centralization, authoritarianism, we are rejecting it. It doesn't work, can't work in the long run. And uh, we just turn away from it and uh, live our lives and uh, produce and, and build communities, um, just like you're, just like you're describing. Uh, it's all good. It's very positive, and it's really liberating um, when you think about it. So I hope unintentional communities, intentional communities. I got um, you know a prominent individual. You know the Florida food forest guy is coming on tomorrow, and everybody's just been on my case. You know it's paralleling a lot of stuff that we're doing to talk to him, and I'm going, okay, you know um, I want to know how you're having staff decisions residents right i mean is this a intentional community or is it yours you know i i need to know you know how we're going to have some intentional community that doesn't turn into another government so i just i like unintentional communities this property this x amount of acres is mine 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 not yours mine you know and that your that's your not mine yours you know you do that then it's an unintentional community around i don't know whatever so there is that question in my mind because it's always p 
people that cause the problem. It's all, and then even you get a good 10-year stint, and then they're kids, you know, or their grandkids. Somebody's, you know, got their two-stroke motorcycle jumping over your house or whatever. So I'm just like, this is the big thing for me for the future, intentional or unintentional communities, what say you? No, I mean, yeah, I'm all for it. Sure. <laughs> unintentional, it, you know, look, what we need is freedom. Whatever the question is, the answer is freedom. Yep. Answer is liberty. Yep. And um, Ron Paul was right about that. And so was Thomas Jefferson. And he talked about um, every generation needs to make its own uh, consent to be governed. It, it uh, The idea of the tree liberty, blood of tyrants, but he, we have to consent to the extent we're willing to give up our own power. And um, we cannot have that done for us. We cannot inherit that. We have to choose it. And um, I think we're in that process right now. And and it's long overdue, which is why I think it seems more possibly uh, serious and even more chaotic than it than it has to be, because it is long overdue. But uh, I'm, I'm really positive that uh, I personally will see it with my own two eyes. And I think we're I seeing think it so a little too. bit right now, and I think it's just going to get... I, I am an optimist, so I, I hope that comes through. I don't know. But I am of the same opinion. Abundance is around the corner, and we are going to be fine, especially if we can maintain our humanity physically. And if they, them, those can, you know, turn you into a slave with the push of a button, they will. They sure as hell want to, and they don't have any moral hurdle to get over. So you got to be... You know, ready, willing, able to understand what's happening. And one of the best ways to get a really good look at what's coming from inside, Karen Katowski. You see her on LouRockwell.com a great deal. Whatever she writes, she usually puts up there. And you read her, you'll be filled with hope and understanding, which is a very powerful weapon. Karen Katowski, thank you very much for spending time. I always feel better when we talk. Thank you for being my, you know, mental health uh, guru. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's always great fun. All right. Peace. Bye. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Ward. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com